in five, four, three, two. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Who wants to have some fun? In five, four, three, two. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Who wants to have some fun? I'm all about having fun. Boy, is this great! Hey guys! Oh, big gulps, huh? Alright. I'm gonna have fun, and you're gonna have fun. We're all gonna have so much fun, we'll need plastic surgery to remove our smiles. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Please have a party! Feed us drinks! Get us late! Wait a minute, there's no birthday party for me here. Hey bro, you mind putting on some pants? I find it a little weird, I have to ask twice. <laughs> Those sad tissues or happy tissues? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun though, isn't it? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? No sports, no rock, no information. For mindless chatter, we're your station. Cowboy. The Mike Rutherford Show. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Well, I'm packing up my game and I'm head out west Where real women come equipped with scripts And find a nest in the hills, chill like Flint Buy an old drop top, find a spot for Then I'm a all right. all right, all right, Welcome everybody, it is Tuesday, April 4th This is the Mike Rutherford Show Coming to you as always from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu to see how UofL College of Business can hook you up with an MBA in as little as 12 months. Again, business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the hemisphere, the Western Hemisphere. You know what's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here. Gary Clark back in the house today producing for the uh, departed Trevor Kelsey. No, it, people were like, did you really just... Suspend him for doing the Bobby voice too much. Were you really, no, I didn't suspend him for doing the Bobby's World voice. He's doing he's doing Trevor stuff. He's traveling the planet. He's visiting family. Yeah, he's scheduled to be back tomorrow. He's scheduled to. Well, we'll see. Uh, Uh-oh. We're not sure. If he's not here tomorrow, I think you're off the hook. I think Scooter Dingus is going to come in. Oh, okay. Um, but he should be back Thursday, maybe Friday, maybe Monday. We you never know. We 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 don't know what's going on. We don't know what he's doing. But no. this is this is so Trevor because this is the one of the few shows we've had where I can ceremoniously thump my chest and say, look, let's, let's take it back to four weeks ago. Bracket came out. We're making our predictions. We're doing the whole show. I picked Connecticut as my men's national champion. Connecticut last night cut down the nets. You, Trevor, I believe, picked Arizona, who I think then lost in the first round to Princeton a few days later. So me, champion, you first round, and he's not here to, to 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 eat any crow. There's no there's no comeuppance today. He's just on the road. He, he did this purposefully. And tomorrow it'll be old news, so you won't exactly bring we're, it up. We're moving on. This is the yep. old, this is the last day of college basketball talk for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, we've obviously been done at, from a Louisville perspective for, for like a month, but uh, for the rest of the sport, this is the first day. This is the last day that you really get to talk about the season. You talk about the tournament. You talk about what it meant. And then tomorrow we're all turning the page and talking transfer portal and early rankings and all that good stuff. We will do a little bit of that today. There are some early top 25 polls out there, which I think is strange. I mean, I, I get why people do it. I've clicked on some. I'm going to talk about some today. 
There's clearly a market for it, but it's an impossible, impossible task uh, to do. It's why we held off. We're going to hold off for at least a few weeks with our uh, early season top 25. But uh, we'll talk about the the national championship game last night, Connecticut, what it means, kind of a lame national title game to cap a what I think ex- was an exciting tournament. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the the new the scheduling news that came out today for Kenny Payne's second season. A couple of recruiting transfer reports tidbits, tidbits to get to. A couple of recruiting notes on the football side to get to. We'll talk about Caitlin Clark speaks about the Angel Reese controversy. Uh, all that good stuff. We got the Masters now. We're turning our focus to Thursday. The, the weather's going to be gross. What goes on with that? The TV ratings for the Final Four are out. Uh, better than expected in some ways, and, and kind of a little bit lower than expected in other ways. We'll get to all that good stuff. Gary, how are you, though? I have to say happy Tuesday to you. How was your Monday night? Uh, I was following you last night on Twitter. Okay, thank you. And I have to agree with what you said about uh, Jim Nance sign-off when the game ended. I'm not talking about – I didn't watch the post-game show. Sure. But uh, he really didn't say a whole lot. He didn't – He just said, thanks for being my friend. He didn't Nance it up enough. He didn't didn't get Nancy. And I, I will give him credit because I was jokingly saying yesterday that I want him to make it all about himself. And to his credit, he did not do that. Uh, Grant Hill tried to do it in the closing moments. And look, he had ample opportunity. The game was was well in hand with what? About five minutes. Yep. San Jose State made that one brief run where they cut it to six with about six minutes to go. And then UConn woke up and smacked him back down to reality. And so he had, he had a, the whole last segment. He could have taken 30 seconds or a minute to talk mm-hmm. about himself and how much this has meant to him. And he didn't do it. And when Grant Hill tried to bring it up, he very much was, this is about the team. This is about them. This is their moment. It's not about me, which I appreciated. I applauded. But I would have at least liked to him to get that corny line out. I, I expected more because it ended up just being, you know, like Danny Hurley and the Huskies realized the dream and win a national title. And I was like, really? And he, he kind of tied it in with his last spiel where he talked about, you know, this is about dreamers and, you know, I storytellers and all this stuff. He kind of tried. You could just tell, like, when he said it, I don't know if he didn't plan it out. I always kind of felt like he planned those lines out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like he said it and was like, ew. He knew right away, like, it, that, that didn't really work. Didn't hit. So now he'll still be doing the Masters tournament. That's, that's like doing, his thing. What, what about, is he still going to do football? He'll still do NFL. He'll, he's basically just giving up the Final Four in, in the NCAA tournament, which is, uh, he's been doing this for 32 years. He's been doing the NCAA tournament for longer. I read a thing on him yesterday talking about his very first NCAA tournament game was in 86. He was 26 years old, I think, and did it with Bill Raftery. So it was kind of a, a nice wow. little bookend full circle moment last night. His yeah. last game was with Raft as well, which was pretty cool. But, I mean, he – I talked about this yesterday. I was never the biggest Jim Nance fan. I was kind of – I liked making fun of him. I thought his lines were a little bit corny. But the voice is familiar. He does do a good job with what he tries to do. I think he's a little bit over the top at times. But he's been the voice of the NCAA tournament for virtually my entire life. And it's going to be so, it's going to feel so unfamiliar next season to hear him not just not call the Final Four, but to not be a, a voice in the, the first two weeks of the tournament. Now, did he come up with the term a tradition like no other for the Masters? I don't know. I, I don't know if that was a his thing. I mean, when you hear that, I mean, you can't say the line without hearing it in his it, voice, it, right? Exactly. Tradition unlike any other. The Masters on CBS. <laughs> you know, the when I got my first high-definition television set, and, uh, you know, my wife thought, boy, you're wasting a lot of money buying it. I mean, I was an early adapter on that. Uh-huh. And my wife was like, boy, you're wasting a lot of money on a television. And she actually watches more television than I do. It's but one of the it. first thing we One of the first things we watched was The Masters. And she was like, oh, no. 
I mean, I, you know, I could tell from watching baseball and even watching basketball that, that HD was the thing was the future of television, but she just thought it was such a waste of time until she saw the masters. Isn't it funny how, like, I remember vividly the first thing that I saw on HD television because my house, we did not, we, we were not early adapters, but I went over, I think I was in college. This would have been college or like late high school. And I went over to a buddy's house who was you know, a Lake Forest friend. So, of course, they were early adapters. And the very first thing that I ever saw in HD was tennis. And I, I remember seeing it and being like, oh, this is, this is going to be a thing. Like, this is different. <laughs> this is cool. I can see why this is the next movement. And sure enough, like, you know, so soon, like now you don't even realize it until you see videos from old games that's in standard definition. And you're like, oh, how the hell did I ever watch this? And <laughs> Except, I remember the ca- the cable guy was telling me because I got a monitor that didn't have a, a tuner on it. So in order to get HD, I had to get that special box. And I remember the, the uh, cable guy said, you know, you're only the second person on your street to get this. And I said, yep. But I said, it's because it's I'd seen it at Best Buy. I, was, I saw it at Best Buy and there was a baseball game on. I saw that's the first thing I saw on HD TV was a baseball game. No. And it just. It blew me away. Blew away is, is the is the right word. That's the right, right way to phrase it. Uh, but we'll miss uh, we'll miss Jim Nance moving forward. I do think Iron Eagle will do a great job, and it'll more or less it'll, it'll be something that will take some acclimating to, some getting used to. But I think that it's going to be fine. It, I, I do hate that it was a it ended up being kind of a lame national title game for his last call because it was just th- th- there were no real theatrics. There was that brief moment where San Diego State cut it to six and then cut it to five. And you were thinking maybe, and, and then UConn, who had just kind of been toying with them all night long, got serious and, and smacked them back down. But besides that, it was just kind of, it was a whatever national title game. Uh, so for Nance to go out like that, he, he did at least get the call of a, a true buzzer beater in the Final Four on Saturday. Like that was a, a great moment, that a memorable a moment. Uh, we, yeah, I think I, we, we talked about this before, but it was the first time in the history of the Final Four that you've had a true buzzer beater where a team has gone from losing the game to winning the game. Every prior buzzer beater in a national semifinal or a national title game had been with a score tied. And you know, there's, it's still cool, but there's not as much on the line. If you miss it, it's overtime, as opposed to if Lamont Butler misses that shot for, for San Diego State. His team's going home. FAU's going to the national title game. It, it's a little bit of a different animal. So that was cool. A little bit of uh, a nice piece of history for Nance's last Final Four. But last night, it was... It was kind of what we, we thought it was going to be. Um, I, I said I thought that it would be relatively close in the first half. I thought UConn would pull away and kind of keep them at arm's length, 9 to 15 points for the entirety of the second half, and then wind up winning by, by 10 to 12. They ended up winning by 17 and completed one of the more dominant stretches, uh, dominant tournament runs in the history of the NCAA tournament. But last night specifically, I mean, it was, I don't know how everybody else felt the entire game. Pretty much after the first segment where San Diego State comes out, they hit four or five shots, they're getting what they want on offense, and you're kind of like, man, they may have something here. Maybe they figured something out. Uh, and then UConn tightens up. SDSU is getting nothing. They miss 13 consecutive shots. That entire first half and really the entire game, you just kind of felt like this was th- this was UConn's. Like They were the superior team. They were also getting whatever they wanted to on offense, and they kept getting whatever they wanted to on offense as time went on. And I... I appreciated Danny Hurley at the halftime, uh, pre-halftime interview coming out and being like, look, we should be up by 20 right now. Because he was being honest. And it, it, it didn't come off as, you know, overly brash. He, he wasn't trying to brag. He wasn't trying to put SDSU down. He was just saying, we've missed a ton of chippy shots at the bucket. 
We have let them get a couple of second-chance opportunities that they probably shouldn't have. We've bailed them out with a couple of fouls on three-pointers. We're up by 12. We should be running away with this thing. And he was totally right. And they came out in the second half, and they still kind of just like, you know, to quote swingers, you know, they're, they're this big bear with these paws, and they're, they're, how do you like kill this bunny? And they're kind of batting it around. They're not actually just, just killing it with the claws. That's kind of how you felt with Connecticut. They just let San Diego State hang around enough. They would have empty possessions on offense where they just wouldn't run anything, and Tristan Newton would take a bad shot or commit a bad turnover. And it was just like, you're like, come on, guys. And it made me happy. If nothing else, it made me happy that San Diego State made that run and at least spooked them a little bit because they deserve that. They, Connecticut deserved to be spooked a little bit. And then when it happened, Jordan Hawkins hits the the catch and shoot three to put them back up by eight, and that was pretty much it. They they, they were clearly the better team. They were clearly in the midst of a all-time NCAA tournament run, and a 17-point win felt about right. This will now – this will be remembered as the Connecticut tournament. This will be remembered uh, as the tournament where – they became the first team ever to win six games by 13 points or more. They never really felt tested. Miami technically gave them the, the toughest test that they faced in the tournament with a 13-point loss in the Final Four. But outside, I mean, remember, Iona led them at halftime. St. Mary's led them by one, I think, at halftime. But Iona probably, that first half, was probably the best that anybody played against them the entire three-week tournament. And when UConn put their foot on the gas in the second half, Iona just they had nothing for them. Same with St. Mary's. Same with everybody else they faced. They just, they were clearly the best team. And, and we can talk a little bit about who they didn't play, not playing a team that was seated better than fifth, but that's the nature of the tournament. And look, they thrashed whoever was put in front of them. They came out of the toughest region. I said nobody better than fifth. Gonzaga uh, was actually the the, the, the the three seed in the West region. So they, they, they did play one of the, fellow pre-tournament favorites, but there was not, you know, they didn't face a top seed. They didn't face a top two seed. There's something to be said for that. But what do you want them to do? They just, they just gouged everybody they played. Uh, they were they were tremendous. And I got asked this question this morning, and I, I wasn't really sure. Somebody was on, on a radio show said, you know, do you think that this will be, that people will remember this, that people will remember just how dominant UConn was? Because I think people remember the 96 Kentucky team, how dominant they were. I think people remember 09 North Carolina, how dominant they were. Do you think UConn will be remembered in that same light? And I said, you know, it's impossible to, to say for certain. My answer is I think so. A lot of times when you're still in the heat of the moment and we're less than 24 hours removed from the national title game, you make these bold predictions about what people will and won't remember from a title game or a specific NCAA tournament. And then 10 years down the line, you're like, oh, I, I kind of forgot that. Like, I, I thought that everybody was going to remember this. They don't. I don't. So you can't say for, sh- for certain. I think, though, I think that people are going to remember the dominance of this run. And it's unique in that every other team that we're talking about that won games by these margins, and Connecticut wound up finishing with the third overall largest uh, margin of victory in NCAA tournament history. They, they beat their six opponents by 120 points. UK in 96 uh, holds the record. 129 points is what they won their games by. But I, I think that we'll remember UConn. I don't know if we'll remember the fact that they were a four seed. That's the part that I think is going to get lost in, in time because every other team that's done this has been a top seed and they've been a pre-tournament favorite. And they were a team that throughout the regular season was looked at as a top-tier national title contender. 
UConn, I think we're going to remember them as a dominant team. And I think we're going to misremember them as this team that was clearly the best and that most people thought was going to win the, the national title going into it. And I think we're going to quickly forget the fact that they were just the second number four seed ever in the history of this tournament to cut down the nets. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe we will remember that. But I think it's go, I think we're just going to – it reminds me of in 2011. And God knows there were so many comparisons drawn between this tournament and the 2011 tournament, and justifiably so. But we, we all kind of remember this, this whole thing where it was Kemba Walker and Jimmer Fredette and an incredible mono versus mono run for the nat- race for the National Player of the Year. What we forget is Kemba Walker wasn't the Big East, tur- the Big East Conference Player of the Year. Ben Hansborough from Notre Dame, remember that guy? He was the Big East Conference Player of the Year. Kemba Walker had such a lull before March that season that he didn't even win the, the Player of the Year award for his own conference. And yet we look back and we're like, man, Kemba was the star of that whole season. He was clearly the star of March. He was not the star of the whole season. He just got hot at the right time, which is a uniquely Connecticut thing. And I think that if there is something that's being talked about, like I kind of thought going into last night, the storyline was going to be UConn's dominance, where it ranks historically, all that good stuff. But the real storyline has been UConn. Do we consider them a blue blood? And if we do, where do we rank them all the time in the hierarchy of, of college basketball programs? And, I, and I've gotten this question a couple of times today on Twitter. I'm assuming it'll probably come up on the text line. I haven't glanced at the text line yet. I will in a second if it hasn't already. But do you now slot UConn ahead of Louisville in terms of, of all-time college basketball programs? It is an impossible question to answer. And UConn is a – unique's not even the word. Their basketball profile is in an entire different galaxy than anybody else in the history of the sport. When you look at the top 10 programs in college basketball history, almost all of them have – the top five, top six certainly – have a couple of national titles that, that happened in a bygone era. They had a couple of national titles at a time where you know, only a handful of teams even made the NCAA tournament or at a time when the, the sport wasn't fully integrated. UConn is the, they're the inverse. They're the, the exact opposite. They have relatively no history before 1990. They've got no history of success at the very highest level before 1999. Their first Final Four in 99. Since then, they've been to six Final Fours. They've won five national titles. They're 5-0 and in national championship games. There is no program since 99 that's won more than UConn at the highest level. Five national titles, nobody else has more than three. If you are a 20-something or a teenager, there's no program that you've seen cut down the nets more than, you, than UConn. And so you, it, in that respect, it seems like a no-brainer. Five titles, 25 years. That's remarkable. Of course they're a blue blood. The problem is... They've been to they've missed the NCAA tournament seven times in the last 14 years. Half of all tournaments since 2009, UConn has not been a part of. They had in a recent stretch, five seasons from 2016 through 2021. They missed the tournament every single year. The first three of those years, they had losing records. 
UConn still has not been a one or a two seed in the Big Dance since all the way back in 09. They're only been since Florida in 2006. Florida, when they were a three seed and they won the first of, uh, the second of, uh, first of back-to-back titles. There's only been three teams that have been non-top two seeds to win the national title from 06 to last night. All three of them are UConn teams. All three of them are UConn teams. And they've played in super bizarre national title games. 2011, they play eight-seeded Butler in a game where Butler shoots the lowest percentage of any team in NCAA tournament history. Not championship game history. NCAA tournament history. Butler shot 18.9%. No team in any round, in any tournament, in the history of the event has shot worse from the field than Butler did in that national title game. And UConn beat them by 12. 53-41. Worst national title game of all time. 2014, you've got the bizarro clash of the not-so-Titans between seventh-seeded UConn and eight-seeded Kentucky, and thank God for the Huskies winning that game. UConn saved our asses a few times from Kentucky. 2011, they beat them in the Final Four. 2014, we, we could be talking about Kentucky having these bizarro national titles instead of Connecticut, so thank goodness for Kevin Ollie, Jim Calhoun, and I guess Danny Hurley to a lesser extent. And then last night, they played San Diego State, who's a five-seed. Could have been the first five-seed ever to win the national title. Could have been the first non-power conference team to win a national title since 1990. UConn doesn't allow it. Even in 2004 with Emeka Okafor, and that was a great UConn team. There was no fluky run. They were a top seed for a reason. They played a third-seeded Georgia Tech team that was a surprise uh, finalist that, that most people didn't think was going to get there. Now, 99, they beat Duke, who was uh, heavily favored and, and number one seed. You can't crap on that one. But p- the point is this. Connecticut's national profile is so strange. They have not produced the types of regular seasons that would indicate that they're a the bluest of the blue blood, but they're the best team in the tournament. When they get in the tournament, nobody has been better over the last 25 years than Connecticut has. And, I mean, they lost eight games this year. They lost none to teams outside the Big East. 17-0 in non-conference games. All 17 of those wins by double figures. In league play, they go 13-7 in the regular season. They finish tied for fourth. They lose in the Big East tournament semifinals. They lost eight total games. They're the fifth team in the history of the sport to not win at least a share of a regular season conference title or a league tournament and go on to be the national champion. Their eight losses are the most for a national champion since Connecticut in 2014, who lost eight games, who had had the most losses for any national champion since Connecticut in 2011, who lost nine games. And if you want to look for a team with more that wound up cutting down the nets, you have to go all the way back to 1988. Danny and the Miracles lost 11 games, only six seed to win a national championship. It is such a strange profile, and it's impo- I mean, you can make any argument you want as far as where to slot Connecticut in the hierarchy of all-time college basketball programs, and I'll buy a lot of the arguments. The fact of the, I mean, the fact of the matter is that it all matters so much less than the fact that the youth of today sees Connecticut as a powerhouse. You've got 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds, who've seen UConn win the national title five times. You've got 48-year-olds out there who've only seen UCLA win one national championship. You've got 28-year-olds who've never seen the Bruins win a national title. So tell me what matters more. In the current state of the sport, would you rather be the program that has won more than any this century? Or would you rather be the program that thrived in the 1960s and 70s? 
but has been just kind of okay in the 90s, 2000s, the aughts, and the early 20s here. To me, it's a no-brainer. Connecticut fans right now, if you're, thir- if you're my age, if you're a 38-year-old UConn fan, you've had far more great times than a UCLA fan. If you want to take all of this and compare it to us, which is, that's the focal point here. This is a Louisville sports talk show. I guess it gives you hope. I guess you look at the fact that Connecticut is a program that had so much going for it, seemed to be just cruising for years and years and years, and then hit not just a small bump, but a significant bump. I mean, you forget, it's not just about the losing on the court. They had the NCAA stuff with Jim Calhoun that basically forced him into early retirement. They had the NCAA stuff with Kevin Ollie that led to his unceremonious exit um, just a couple of years after winning a national title. And then they got, they got, they were bad. 2017, they go 16 and 17. 2018, they go 14 and 18. They fire Ollie. They bring in Danny Hurley. His first year, 16 and 17, three straight years with a losing record. 2020, the COVID season, they're on the bubble. They're probably not going to make the NCAA tournament. It's going to be four consecutive years uh, of being left out of the field of 68. 21, they sneak in as a seven seed. They're one and done in the tournament. Last year, good team, kind of back. They get knocked off in the first round by New Mexico State. And then, bam, national champion. That's kind of, I mean, they have nothing resembling a a four-win season on their resume. Their worst year was still better than our 13-win season two seasons ago. But it's still a program that seemed to be in cruise control, that seemed to be self-sustained, that hit a significant bump, and then suddenly missed five consecutive NCAA tournaments. Us right now, we've missed three consecutive NCAA tournaments. I'm not counting 2020 because we were good to go there. But 21, left out. 22, disaster. 23, even larger disaster. This season, we'll see. It seems like it's going to be a building block type year. But if you're looking for proof that it can be done, if you're looking for proof that just because you fall off the cliff, you're not going to lose all national relevance, UConn was in a worse spot than we were. You remember when Hurley comes in, they're in the American Athletic Conference. They don't have that elite conference affiliation at that point in time. This is just their, what, their third year back in the Big East. And the first year was the COVID season. It didn't really, it didn't feel normal. This is their, if you want to look at it that way, this is their second full season in the Big East. They don't have the budget that Louisville does. They don't have the conference money coming in that Louisville does. They don't have the built-in advantages that Louisville does. They don't have the NIL pool that Louisville does. They don't have the facilities. They don't have as large of a fan base. They've got a great fan base. They don't have as large of a fan base. It should be easier for Louisville to pull itself out of this hole than it was for Connecticut. Now, what Connecticut did that I think we know now is they hired the right guy. Danny Hurley comes from a legendary coaching family. He's got the goods. If you watched, even last year when they were losing, when they were getting upset as a four seed, even two years ago when they were stumbling into the tournament as just kind of, a, eh, they're fine, wait a couple of years, uh, seven seed, you knew that this guy could coach. He showed it immediately. They improved each year. With the right guy, a program like Louisville, a program like Connecticut can go from depths they never thought were possible to 
back on the mountaintop in a relatively short amount of time. And what we have to find out very quickly is whether or not Kenny Payne can be that type of guy. Now, I mentioned this. You know, Hurley's first season was bad. He inherited a, a bad team. They'd won 14 games the year before. He improved it a little bit. They go from 14 wins to 16 wins. It's still not good enough. They, they fell apart late that year. They lost, I think, seven of their last nine games, um, lost any shot of going to the tournament. But he was able to retain some top-tier talent. He was able to bring in some players who he thought fit his system. And the next year, they win 19 games. The year after that, they're in the tournament. The year after that, they're a four seed. The year after that, they win a national championship. You saw the building blocks. We've got to see it this year with Kenny Payne. And I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't know already, but if Payne is a guy, it's it, it can't just be a small step forward. It has to be a significant step forward. And when you're going from the starting point of four wins, it really has to be a significant step forward. But if you're looking for hope, I think there are things to point to in college basketball. I think you point to the Iowa State turnaround. You point to the fact that they won two games, and the next year they're in the Sweet 16. This past year, they were a six seed. They've got it going a little bit. You look at Kansas State, three straight very bad seasons. Worst team in the Big 12. They're picked to finish last in the Big 12 this year. They hired Jerome Tang. Boom. He's got them as a three seed. They go one game away from, from making a Final Four. All of this, though, comes down to having the right coach. Having the right coach, having the right staff, getting the right group of players, getting the right combination of guys from the transfer portal, from your current roster, and from incoming freshmen, and making it work. And, look, we've got seven months of debate ahead of us. I, I know we do. We're going to keep getting players. We're going to have debates about whether or not they're the right players. Even if they are the right players, we're going to have debates about whether or not the staff can do anything with them. And none of us will have the answers until the season comes. But I think we will have the answers. I don't think there's going to be this debating going into year three. I think we'll have clear evidence one way or the other. But it can be done. It's not like if Kenny Payne's the right guy and this basketball savant that he just can't get it done because of this hole. Look at UConn. Look at K-State. Look at Iowa State. Look at others. It can be done. And it should be easier to do here than it is there. Let's start this process. There's hope out there. Hope springs eternal. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit after the break about next season, specifically a couple of games that we now know are on the schedule for next year. That's uh, going to be an early test for, for Kenny Payne and company in year two. We'll get to that in some of your texts as well on the Thornton Sex Line. Keep it locked right here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. No, 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 in the middle of the night and this is what I told her for you every time I make a run girl you turn around and cry I ask myself why what do I See you must understand I can't work a nine to five So I'll be gone till November Said I'll be gone till November I'll be gone till November Alright, welcome back in. Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Uh, Trevor Kelsey out for a few more days. 
So Mike Westbrook here with Gary Clark, who's just itching to talk Trump and Diamond. He's just he's dying back there. It's all he wants to talk about. He keeps asking during the breaks, uh, "Can we just weigh in on this thing?" Uh, it's all anybody's talking about. And I'm like, Gary, no, we can't. We can't do it, man. We can't. You know, nobody's asking. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's trying. Who he if if he thought UConn was going to win last night? <laughs> I love, I came in here and Troy was like, <laughs> "You should just make it all about Trump somehow." Be like, you know. <laughs> The parallels of the rise and fall of the UConn basketball pro. Let's compare presidents to basketball programs. It's a great April 4th topic. Let's do it. It would be great if it happened on April 1st. It would have been nice. Yeah. It would, it would have been fun. Uh, but alas, here we are. Uh, but we will we'll stay away from the indictment talk today, at least for the, the second hour. Uh, Good. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back into the show. We want to hear from you. I have not uh, plugged the text line here. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, hit us up on that today. It's a great th- text line day. Questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, topic ideas, whatever you got, we will talk about them. And a reminder, download that Refreshing Rewards app from Thornton's. It'll save you money uh, when you need to fuel up outside. It'll save you money inside when you want a tasty treat from any one of the 86,912 Thornton's locations. And Thornton's is still giving that deal where they're hooking you up with 89-cent, 32-ounce fountain drinks for a limited time only. Stop in, get a big old drink for just uh, under a buck. It's going to be fantastic. You can enjoy yourself, and then you're going to text us at 502-414-1450. I love transitive property stuff. I think this is always interesting. I think it's always kind of funny. But congratulations to the Emory and Henry Wasps, your national champions of the transitive property. You knew Louisville. Like, I think all the transitive property things that I've seen, they've involved Louisville because we lost to Lenore Ryan. Uh, but UConn lost to Xavier, who lost to Indiana, who lost to Penn State, who lost to Clemson, who lost to Louisville, who lost to Lenore Ryan who lost to Tusculum, who lost to the Emory and Henry Wasps. So congratulations to uh, EHC men's basketball, the Wasps from the Division II. You guys are national champs. You basically beat Connecticut. Congrats. You're awesome. All right, I I promised this news uh, before the break. Some scheduling news for next season. And I I thought this was going to come out this week. I know it had been talked about before. Um, but we were mentioning the schedule stuff yesterday, and you know, people were saying, I think we had a text on, on the text line talking about, do you think Kenny Payne will schedule a light? Uh, and we're not going to really find out much about this team until we play in the ACC. And I said, I think we're going to have, we'll have at least a few games that he has no control over that are going to be tough games. We'll play in a multi team event, we'll play Kentucky. Uh, I don't know if we're going to play in the ACC SEC challenge. I think we'll be the one team left out of that. But I think that we have a, a few scheduled games that he's going to have to play that will be. That will be tests. And that multi-team event, it was officially announced today. Louisville, Indiana, Texas, and your reigning national champions from Connecticut are going to headline the 2023 Empire Classic. Uh, It's played in Madison Square Garden every year. November 19th and November 20th, the Cards will play back-to-back games, back-to-back days, um, against two of those three teams. It's going to be on ESPN. It'll be the first time UofL's played in this Empire Classic. They have not announced the semifinal matchups or the TV coverage just yet. That's going to happen, I think, in a couple of months. But if I had to guess, just based on the rosters that it looks like are coming back, Louisville's probably going to play UConn in that first game, and then they'll play either Indiana or Texas the next day. Uh, The losers obviously will play in the third-place game. The winners will play for the, the championship of the little tournament. But regardless of which two teams they play. The Cards are going to face a significant test in the second weekend of the, of the season. We'll find out pretty quickly if we've got the goods to at least be competitive in year two. Now, if you go out there and you get beat fairly handily, it's not quite the end of the world. 
But if we look the way that we looked last November and last December in those types of games and we're listless and Connecticut just pounds on us from start to finish, wins by 25, and Texas or Indiana does virtually the same thing the next day, we got a pretty solid indication of how the next four months are going to go. It does remind me a little bit, if you remember Chris Mack's first season, the first indication that we got that maybe we could be a little bit better than people thought we were going to be was when we went up to the Barclays Center. for It was a similar event where you played four teams, played two games in two days. And we played Tennessee, who was very well thought of at that point. They were a top 10 team. And we're right there with them until the final minutes ended up losing by five or six. And then we had Marquette beat the next day and got kind of screwed by the refs and lost those games. And even though we went 0-2, it was a, a solid sign that, like, hey, we might be able to do more than people are giving us credit for. We come home. We beat a top 10 Michigan State team at home in our very next game. And boom, suddenly we're in the national rankings and we're very clearly an NCAA tournament team. If Louisville can be competitive in these games, I think you kind of have the same thought about Kenny Payne in year two. This could be better than, than a lot of us are thinking. If you're not, mm, it's not a good sign. I think also, I mean, when you look back, I, I, I was talking about this last night with somebody. When you look back at that, that early stretch last year, the teams that were pounding on us, they didn't end up being as good as we thought they were going to be. Like Arkansas makes a nice run in the tournament, but they still were an eight seed that never really hit their potential. They thrashed us by 26. Texas Tech, they beat us by 32 and held us to 38 points. They finished with a losing record. Did not come close to making the NCAA tournament. They were 16 and 17. Cincinnati, a whatever team, didn't make the NCAA tournament either, beat us by 20. Maryland destroyed us. They won a game in the tournament in an 8-9 game. Miami wound up being good, and they beat us like a good team should. Florida State was terrible, beat us by 22. Like, all those games were like, well, at least we're losing to quality competition. They ended up not being quite as quality as we thought they were going to be. And I think all three of the teams that are going to be in this event next year should be pretty damn good. Um, Indiana obviously is going to have to replace Jordan hood Shafino. We'll see what happens with Trace Jackson Davis. I'm assuming they're going to have to replace him as well. Texas is going to lose a decent amount, but they're, they're Texas. They'll reload. They'll get some, some big-time transfers. And UConn should return a solid amount from their national championship team. Like Connecticut's going to be – I'll be surprised if they're not a preseason top-five team. We're probably going to be the only unranked team in this field. So we'll see. But it, it's, it's, it will be a nice early-season test. Now, now, what I do have to make mention of, because this has kind of devolved into an argument in my mentions on Twitter and on the website – You've got some people out there who are like, why would Kenny Payne sign up for this? You know, we've, we won four games last year. UConn just won the national title. Indiana was good. These were three top four seeds, and we won four games. Why are we doing this to ourselves? And you've got other people who are like, this is clearly a sign that Kenny Payne believes in his second year. He wouldn't sign up for this if he didn't think he had the goods. We're going to be great. This just gives me further proof that we're going to be fine next season. Guys, these things get decided. These things are agreed to like years in advance. And I think we've all kind of forgotten, and I, I put myself in this category because I'd forgotten until today. We knew that Louisville was going to this. At least it got reported that Louisville was going to this months ago because there was all this talk about, are the cards going to play Indiana? Are we going to, you know, we had this plan to renew the three-year contract to play uh, home and home with one neutral court game, neutral site game in Indianapolis. Will that start next year? And, the reason it got pushed back was because we all knew that Louisville was going to play in the same event, this small event, 
against I, you know, with IU, where it's very possible that the two teams could square off, and it doesn't make sense to have two non-conference games against the same opponent in one season. So that was, I think, before the start of last year, it was like last October. Um, so we knew that this was coming. It just became official today. So this was like I got an email today. The Maui Invitational Field for 2024 has been officially announced. That's two seasons away from now. These things get decided years in advance. It's not like Kenny Payne last night was like, I want UConn. They just want it all. I want a piece of them. No, it was this this was this was agreed to, I think, before he even became the head coach. So he has no real control over it. But um I like it. I like the early tests. I like big time events early in the season. It's just a matter of whether or not we're going to be up for the task. And if we're not, then it sets a it sets a negative tone. And if we are, it sets a very positive tone. So we'll see. We'll go to the text line now for the first time today. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll take a couple of, of texts here, and then we will we'll talk a little. Caitlin Clark spoke today. I think she put to bed the Caitlin Clark Angel Reese controversy of, of March slash April. We'll get to all that stuff, and, and then a couple of football recruiting notes as well. Texture says, what are you more sad about? Jim Nance signing off for the last time or that UConn winning another championship bumped us down a spot on the list of all-time best programs? Um, Probably the latter. I'm not that sad about Nance leaving. It's fine. I enjoyed it, but it was more a joking enjoy. I, I mean, I, I do, if you want to slot UConn ahead of Louisville at this point, I'm not really going to fight you that much. It's a, like we talked about in the first segment, it is such a weird profile, though. Like, UConn is not a top 25 program all time in wins. But how long can you really put, like, how long do you have to have sustained success before you start saying that matters more than what you did in 1950? UConn is at a built-in disadvantage when you're comparing them to programs like North Carolina and Kansas and Kentucky and UCLA because they weren't doing this uh, at the beginning. I mean, the first three programs I mentioned there, they all have direct ties to James Naismith, the inventor of the game. UConn doesn't. UConn was, had been to one regional final before 1990, and it was in the 60s. Jim Calhoun essentially took a program that was the laughing stock of the Big East and built them into a national powerhouse over the course of a couple of decades. And they've been able to – they're the first program ever to have three consecutive head coaches who have won national titles. They're the fourth program, period, to have three different coaches that have won national titles. But they go from Calhoun, national champion, multi-time national champion. Kevin Ollie, kind of sucks, still wins a national championship. Danny Hurley, fourth year, national champion. Never happened before. Boom, boom, boom. They're doing something right up there in stores. I did think it was interesting that Ray Allen last night after the game, he got interviewed on the, on the floor. He was saying something along the lines of it's a big-time program, but also, it's in stores in Hartford, Connecticut. There's nothing else to do. You stay focused, especially in the wintertime. It's cold up there. There's a lot of snow. The practice court, the practice gym is within walking distance of everywhere that you are on campus. You know, the players, they're able to maintain focus there. And we I've always kind of thought that being a big-time city without a big-time professional sports franchise, no disrespect to Lou City or Racing Lou or, or the Bats, but we don't have a a team in one of the four major sports leagues. We don't have that here. I've always thought that that was an advantage for us when it came to recruiting and being a program in a big-time city where the Louisville basketball players are the stars, are, are the athlete stars of the city. But maybe it's a hindrance. Case in point, I don't think that you have the Katina Powell thing happen if it's in stores. 
if it's in Lawrence, Kansas, if it's in Chapel Hill or Durham, North Carolina, because you get more access to players around in the city and there are more people kind of out to get you. It's just it's the way it is. Texas says, so Trevor's on a vision quest. Yes, that's what's happening here. He's he's on a he's on a vision quest. Texas says UConn's combined regular season record for 2010-11, 2013-14, and this past season is 34-22. and UConn's combined non-conference record in those three seasons is 50-1. and So much weird in these title runs, it's hard to comprehend. That's a fantastic stat. I wish I'd had that before I, I wrote my thing last night. That's unreal. Conference record in those three seasons where they won their last three national championships, 34-22. and Non-conference record in those three seasons, 50-1. and one. And let's not forget the 13-14 season. They were in the AAC with us. It's not like they were playing world beaters in the Big East. They were in the AAC. And we smacked them three times. And they ended up winning a national title. That's wild. That's a great stat. Texas says, does this mean Louisville would have won the, won the title in 2020? Clearly. We all know that. I was thinking about this last night, Gary. I, I was thinking about, you know, it sucks that Louisville is not in the tournament. It sucks that we have not seen Louisville in the tournament in 2019 and really watched them make any sort of run since 2015. But it's still better than the alternative because I was I was thinking about what I was doing this time three years ago when the, the lockdown had started and the pandemic had started. And there was a moment, I remember, I remember this so clearly, I was walking, I'm just desperate to do anything. And I'm walking the dog around and I'm listening to a podcast by a guy who, I couldn't even tell you who it is. But he had taken, remember the NCAA selection committee, they released the seeds that, that they, like if the tournament had started on that Friday when everything shut down, this is how it would have looked. And so he took those 68 teams and he plugged them into the tournament before and then just read what the results would have been if the tournament had played out the exact same way as the 2018, uh, 2019 tournament the year before had. So I'm sitting there, I'm walking the dog and he's like, and if you take the, the seven seed here with, with Maryland and they would have played the 10 seed Providence. And if you look at last year's results in that game, the 10 seed won. So we're going to move Providence the second. He did this for 45 minutes and I listened to every second of it. You stay awake. That's how desperate I was. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I could easily just figure this out for myself. He's just plugging teams into last year's bracket. And oh, that's do, funny. I, I was like, so I know, I already know who's going to win. It's, it's going to be because Kansas is in Villanova spot, so they're going to win it all, or Virginia spot, so they're going to win. I was like, what? Why am I doing this? Like, he's going to give me some result that I don't know. What is happening here? But that's how desperate I was for some, <laughs> some feeling of the NCAA tournament in March and early April. That was sad, but at least we got. Even when Louisville's not in it, at least there was a tournament. At least there was a, at, le- at least there was something exciting to follow. Texas, are you concerned that the portal news for U of L have been very has been very quiet lately? This is the question that I'm getting more than anything else this week. People are on edge because of what happened last year. I keep getting texts are like, should I be concerned? Should we be concerned? Should everyone be concerned? I don't know. I I, I can't tell you. I get it though. Because this time a year ago, when Kenny Payne was the head coach, especially in the, in the like the weeks ahead in mid-April, there was all this talk about all these high-profile transfers who we were going to get. We were going to get Malachi Smith. We are going to get Isaiah Mosley. We are going to get – I don't even remember who else they were at this point. Uh, we're going to get these guys. And 
in the end, we got nobody. We got Brandon Huntley Hatfield very quickly. And I think that also set the tone or set the mood for a feeling that he was just the beginning. The onslaught was about to happen. And then nothing. Nothing for, for four months. And then it was just, hey, this is our roster. These are my guys. My team is on the floor. Normandale. Now this year, we get three players very quickly. Trent Flowers, not just committed, but signed and reclassifying. Dennis Evans, five-star center who's suddenly available from Minnesota. He's ours. Sky Clark, guy who left Illinois in the middle of the season. We've all kind of been thinking that maybe he could be ours. He's done. Locked up. And we all kind of knew, I think there was a sense that all three of those things were going to happen, which was great. And it happened 10 days into the offseason. But then there's this whole notion of, of what's next. Because there needs to be a big splash with whatever's next. And I say this for a reason. Last night continued a, I, I think, very significant trend. It's not about star freshmen in college basketball anymore. And it really hasn't been. There have been two notable exceptions. 2015 Duke, 2012 Kentucky. And since then, like the one and done thing, it's an NBA deal. We can talk about these, these star freshmen. We can talk about Brandon Miller. We can talk about you know, whoever this past year. That's great. They're still going to be NBA high NBA draft picks. They don't make the type of impact on the college game that three- and four-year players do. Last night, UConn won the national title with three leading scorers for the season who were a junior, a sophomore, and a senior. That makes seven straight years where the national champion in college basketball has not had a freshman as one of their top three scorers. If you're looking at the numbers over that time, the last seven national champions, the three leading scorers from those teams, you've got six seniors, 12 juniors, three sophomores, zero freshmen. You've got to get old to win at this level now. And the other final four teams were the same way. And the problem now with NIL and still the extra year of, of COVID, which I think we have two more seasons of, is that guys who would have been gone five years ago, they ain't leaving. They're playing high level. Armando Baycott would have been gone last year. He's back for another year. Miami, Nigel Pack, he signed a two-year deal. That $800,000 number was four hundred dollars for two seasons. He's coming back. Isaiah Wong, the ACC Player of the Year, he has a chance to come back. He's, he might come back. Norshad O'Meara, big-time transfer from Arkansas State, might come back. Their other, uh, Wuga Poplar was just a freshman, probably coming back. Like, they're going to be really good again. These guys who were just saying, you know, five years ago, I don't care if I'm even an NBA draft pick, I've got a limited window to play this game professionally and make some money doing it. I need to go ahead and go because my ceiling's not getting any higher. College basketball's fine, but I got to pay the bills. I'm going overseas. I'm going to try to make, you know, six figures, high five figures. Now you can make that in college and guys are sticking around and it makes it more difficult for programs in the situation that Louisville's in to be super competitive very quickly. You got to kill it in the portal. And I understand that that's where all this concern stems from because there's a, I think a sense that we like the roster we have. We like the players that we brought in. We like who they can be two or three years down the line, but that maybe doesn't help us significantly for next year. The good news is you've got players everywhere. I mean, hell, we had three big-time names enter the portal while we were on the air yesterday. And since then, we've had even more. 
LJ Cryer from Baylor in the portal. He's fantastic. Max Asmus from Oral Roberts. Top six scorer in college basketball the last three seasons. Wherever he goes, he's going to be a star. Tyler Perry. Not that Tyler Perry. T-Y-L-O-R. Conference USA Player of the Year. 18 point per game score at North Texas, which just won the NIT. Can play anywhere. He's that good. He's in the portal. You have game changers. You have program changers. You have significant season changers available everywhere. You got to go get them. And to answer the question, am I concerned? Not yet, but I get it because it does feel a little bit like history repeating itself where we're in on all these guys. There's some positive buzz out there. The rumors are floating around that you've got guys leaning towards Louisville and then nothing happens. We'll see what happens with Keon Menafield. We'll see what happens with uh, the kid from USC. We'll see what happens with some other guys, but I get it a little bit. I thought when you mentioned Tyler Perry that you were going to say Medea wanted to play women's basketball. Is she a guard? We'll take her. <laughs> if she is, we can make that happen. <laughs> Texas says, Curtis Williams played with Keon Menafield in AAU. Come on, Curtis. Make this happen, Curtis. Let's not put all, I don't want to put the, the, the whole honest on, on Curtis Williams to land Keon Menafield, but let's do it. Uh, we had the Keon Menafield Instagram deep dive yesterday. He's following a bunch of Arkansas guys. Uh, he's following Donovan Mitchell. He was was following Devin Ree, who's now transferring from Louisville. But I don't know what that means. I mean, Ricky Council from Arkansas announced today that he's not coming back. Uh, he's one of the guys that that Menafield was following on Instagram. He's following Nick Smith. He's definitely not coming back. He is following Devo Davis, who's not an NBA guy. But uh, we'll see. I don't I don't know how much I want to dive too much into that. But it's it, it's concerning a little bit. Texas says, "Is this a wannabe Champions Classic?" No. It's it's its own thing. It's a solid event. It's it's a it's a solid four time thing. Um, St. John's won it last year. It's on ESPN every year. It's not a new thing. Texas does UConn have any four win seasons? I don't think so. Uh, maybe way way in the past, not in the modern history. There you go. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, more from you guys. We'll talk about this Caitlin Clark controversy. We'll talk a little football recruiting as well. It's hour number two of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's next here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. The Big X. Welcome back in hour number two here of the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Reminder, we've got uh, Lou City tickets. We're going to be giving away shirts and scarves. We're going to be giving away for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Lou City season tickets now available for the 2023 campaign. Call 502-LUCITY or visit lucity.com slash tickets to buy your tickets today. Boys in purple, big time setback, surprising setback last week against uh, Sacramento. They fall 5 nothing their second straight lopsided defeat, but they got a chance to bounce back tomorrow at home. It's going to be the, uh, what do they say? It's a derby in America. It's a derby. If you're in Europe, the soccer rivalries are taking on for the first time. Uh, the new Lexington team, Lexington Football Club, uh, they're going to take their Lexington Soccer Club. Soccer Club, football club. Look, we're more cultured here in Louisville. 
we're a football club. We're an FC. You guys, you don't even know what you're talking about. So you're a soccer club. Uh, that's how they do it down there in USL League One. 7 p.m. is the kickoff tomorrow night inside Lynn Stadium. It is a second-round matchup in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, Lucity's had some success in the U.S. Open Cup in recent years. Would love to see them get hot, make a deep run, play some MLS teams, maybe knock off an MLS team or two, and then get to play in some nationally televised games uh, later on in the tournament. But again, 7 o'clock is the kickoff for tomorrow's Derby against Lexington SC. First meeting between these two uh, franchises. Should be a fun one. Hopefully, Lou City can bounce back, shake off some of their recent jitters, and get back in the uh, the win column. All right. Um, Gary, you mentioned your wife watches more TV than you do. But do you do you guys do the thing where it's like we try to find mutual shows that we can watch together? Or do you go upstairs at night and she stays down? How does it work? We, we try to find mutual shows. But she has a, a lot of her favorites. Like uh, She's very old school. She's she watches a lot of network television. Okay. So we have network nights in our house. Like Monday's a CBS night, uh, which last night everything was preempted. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday. I'm trying to think. Tuesday is an. It's no, it's not NBC. It's CBS again on Tuesday because all the NCIS. No, FBI. Okay. Watch the FBI shows Wednesday. <laughs> it's Chicago night on NBC. Classic. Yeah, and then on uh, Thursday, you know, we really haven't really got something that we watch normally on on Thursday and Friday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday, we're all covered. Thursday's there for the taking in the the Clark household. That's right. I do like the FBI show, so I like the regular FBI and the most wanted, the international. Don't like it. Now, so you guys aren't big streaming people. Big what now? Streaming people. The show's on like Netflix, Hulu, what have you. I am more than she is. Okay. Okay, because this list, we have a list from Vulture, the best uh, 10 shows of 2023 so far, and I... You probably haven't seen many of them, have you? That's the thing. There's so many now that it's hard to keep up. There's so many, and not only have I not seen a lot of them, I haven't heard of a lot of them when they come out. So I'm always curious when these lists come out, not how many of these have I seen, but how many of these am I even aware of their existence? (laughs) So here we go. This, according to Vulture are the, the, the 10 best new shows of 2023 so far. Uh, Perry Mason. Which I is, haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I, I knew that it was out. I knew they had a, a Perry. It's technically a reboot. Um, I knew that it was out. I have not watched it at all. Uh, Party Down. No idea whatsoever. That's above my age demographic or below my age demographic. It's apparently resurrecting a comedy that was 13 years old. But Party Down is out there. It's a show that actually exists. I have not seen it. Poker Face. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I only have heard about it because we had a different uh, list like this. that was Natasha Leone and Trevor and I were going over the, the list, and I, that's when I found out about it. It's a, a Peacock show. It's uh, what, Ryan Johnson, uh, Rian Johnson, the guy who did some of the Star Wars movies, and Natasha Leone. Sounds good. I haven't seen it. American Auto is an NBC show. No. Never heard of it. Zero frame of reference. The Last of Us have heard of it. Have I've heard it. of that too. That's uh, HBO, right? HBO, correct. Yeah. You've got the the girl from Game of Thrones, and also uh, Pedro Pascal, who was in Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, I hear that. That's that's good. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I've watched the first two episodes. Very intense. I enjoyed them. I'm going to watch more as time goes. But it is not a show like my wife would not enjoy it. So this is it's one of those ones like we I'm doing that on my off time. That's now the tournament's over. Jump back in the Last of Us. So I've heard of that. Have watched it. The Traders. Never heard of it. Me either. No idea what it's about. 
don't know what station it's streaming on. Apparently, Peacock. Uh, couldn't tell you anything about it. Uh, Kunk on Earth. Sounds like something I shouldn't be saying on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> what channel's that on? Her. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, BBC slash Netflix. Ah. Kunk is her last name, Philomena Kunk, C-U-N-K. <laughs> I'm spelling it so you don't get the wrong idea. Uh, it is apparently, it's apparently very good, but it, but it's out there. Ginny uh, in Georgia, season two on Netflix. Never heard of it. No, haven't heard of it. Now they've got, they have Velma on this list, which I, the only thing that I heard about this was that it was like universally despised. It's a new series based on the character from Scooby-Doo. Right. Mindy Kaling did it. And all I saw, like, it was trending all over the place on Twitter when it first came out. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool. Like, I, I like Mindy Kaling. Maybe this is worth watching. And it was just because everybody hated it so much. So it's on this list. I don't know if it deserves to be based on what I've seen so far. Now, who's the streaming map? It's HBO Max. Okay. So. Well, see, I have, I have friends that stream a lot. And, they're, and all the time, a, a lot of the times they tell me about great shows, but. It's like I tell them I can only I'm only subscribing to a couple of these streaming services, and the reason I have HBO Max is because I got it with my phone. Yeah, we we do the bundle <laughs> and all these things. I'll, I'll, but Hulu Hulu is one I don't have, which somebody says I really need to have. My wife would like for me to get Disney Plus, so I'm thinking about getting that bundle where you get Hulu, Disney Plus, and uh, or and ESPN Plus. We have that. It's a great deal. Yeah. It's, it, like that one is fantastic. Um, I also like we'll do the thing a lot of times too, where like with Apple TV Plus, if there's a show out that we want to watch, we're watching. Uh, we watch something on there. Um, not now, sh- what is it on Apple TV? The guy from Saturday Night Live is a soccer coach. Ted Lasso. Yeah, I hear that's really good. Ted Lasso's awesome. It, yeah. and season three just started to come out, so we have we have not started watching that, but we watched the first two seasons. But we'll watch like we'll watch Ted Lasso or we'll watch Morning Show. And then we'll we'll get rid of it and like just buy it back when we like want to watch another show that comes out. Now, do they uh, when they release those like a lot of these streaming services now are, are when a new season comes out, they're only releasing one show at a time instead of the whole series. That's what they do here. Yeah, it, it guts me a little bit. So I will, I'll try to wait as much as I can to like watch it, so I can kind of like you know, yeah, binge, but. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes every now and then I'll find myself in a situation where I've got to. So we're watching Shrinking right now, which love is awesome. But thankfully, which service is that on? Shrinking is on. Um, I think it's on Apple TV. Is it? I can't even Apple remember. TV Plus. I think the so. last series I binged, and I'm getting ready to watch the second season. I really enjoyed the first season. Was White Lotus, which I've is on that. HBO. Yeah, we we watched the first season. We started the second season. We have, we kind of bowed out a little bit early but i do want to go back and watch that because i like i like the first season as well Shrink- white lotus it started out really slow it did it did but I, I liked about it. third episode it picked up it wasn't my favorite but i liked it uh shrinking is all is on apple tv plus and that's awesome and thankfully like all 10 episodes of that first season are out so we're able to kind of go through trevor watched it in one night which is just that's that's who <laughs> trevor is i recommended i was like yeah we've watched like three episodes in two days which for us is like we're mowing along, which is a big deal. <laughs> and he's he watched the entire all ten episodes in one single night. Oh, uh, like six straight consecutive hours of TV, which is. Impressive. I'm waiting for Better Call Saul, the uh, season six, because I've watched all five seasons, and season six has not made it to um, Netflix yet. Uh, but you can watch it on AMC, but you have to watch the commercials, and they just, yeah, just you know, who's got time for that anymore? 
Ugh. It's twenty twenty three. Get out of my face. Yeah. Uh, this 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 has been uh, what is it that that says that you can't fast forward through the commercials? Oh, this feature has been <laughs> disabled. Yeah, yeah. Get out of my face. Yeah, we, we we did the thing. We watched Hulu up for a little bit with the like the the they give you like three different choices for plans. One has like lots of ads. One has like some ads, and it's the most popular. And then the 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 priciest one, of course, has no ads. And we were like in the middle plan for a while. And after a while, I was like, let's just pay the extra three bucks a month. I, I can't deal with this anymore. It's, <laughs> it's, take, it's making a 20-minute show last 29 minutes. I can't handle this. Well, so I we do, finally I, did it. I do like I have the uh, the $5 a month plan on Peacock. I did that so my wife could watch uh, the French Open last year. And um, I do enjoy watching House within in 48 minutes you can watch one episode and they show commercials but the commercial breaks are like they used to be on network tv like in the old days where they 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 show like a minute's worth of commercials then they go back to the show yeah i mean that's the way they used to do it on network tv you know you'd go 15 minutes and uh i tell you network tv is getting hard to watch um my wife loves it but man like watching fbi i'm like let's tape it and watch it later Every eight, I'll sit there and watch the clock. Well, it's been eight minutes. Here comes another commercial break. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm with you. I, I, and it, then they wonder, why, well, why are people watching network TV? Well, we don't like to watch after eight minutes, four commercials, and then three promos for Jim Nance, final four appearance, only CBS. Um, yeah, it, it's, we're all spoiled, but I'm definitely. An event the same like way. no other. Uh, real quickly, wrap up the list here. Uh, that '90s show have not still have not, still have not checked it out. Did you watch the the '80s show? I like that '70s or, show. The '70s shows, yeah. I liked it. The original one. Um, I have not watched any of that '90s show. This has that you show that I said was. I can't believe it's gotten four seasons on Netflix. This is also available there. Um, the Mandalorian. Hear good things. I've heard good things about that too. Have not watched it. School Spirits. Never heard of it. Gotham Knights, never heard of it. I'm assuming it's another Batman thing. How many Batman shows and movies do we need? <laughs> At what point do we realize that we've had enough? I watched The Batman when it came on HBO Max, and I, and I have to say I enjoy it, but there's just too many too many Batman shows, and, and a lot of these reunion shows, well, like that 90s show, you know, one episode. Um, have, you've watched it, right? The, that 90s show? Yeah. Have not. Have oh, not okay. seen it, no. Well, the, it, they have a very touching episode where they have to go in for dialysis. Oh. <laughs> Tonight, a very special episode. <laughs> On a very special episode. The colonoscopy episode. <laughs> for Eric. Um, I want, is it too much to ask for a poor Batman? I think that needs to be the new, the, the new Batman thing. Like, a, a poor Batman. He doesn't have access to a Batmobile. <laughs> he just, you know, he, he paints flat black paint on a car he's just he's the everyman batman and he goes in front of grumman's chinese theater and has his picture taken with people and charges them two and three dollars yeah he's making his own tools he's doing he's doing he can't survive but he's he still means just as well as the rich batman <laughs> i think we need a poor batman uh we have breaking news here uh, i have seen it now i just i just text the text line um the most sought after transfer portal player at least on this show the guy that we've we've known that Louisville's had contact with that we really wanted. Keon Menafield has announced that he is transferring to Arkansas. It's official. The Instagram, deep dive, all that talk, it apparently was legit. Uh, him following all the Arkansas players left us without a, a real opportunity to go get him. But Keon Menafield, who last week 
I think it was on Friday, announced the final six of of Louisville, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Washington. His old school was in his top. I can't remember the sixth one. Who cares? Uh, but he picks Arkansas. This is uh, this is just a week after I'd been told, and the theory was kind of that it was Louisville versus Alabama to land him. Um, I don't know what. Look, Eric Musselman does his thing with transfers. He is tough to beat in the transfer portal. I don't know why, but it's been a thing of his since. I mean, since he was at uh, in Nevada, they became transfer destination U. Uh, he's doing the same thing at Arkansas. They just reload with these guys, and we're not getting Keon Menafield. He's going to Arkansas. That sucks. That that uh, if you're Kenny Payne now, reload, go after another guard. There's plenty available. I don't know. I mean, L.J. Cryer. I don't know. Max Asmus, I don't know. I know he's a little guard. I know that's not really your thing. But you've got to get somebody of the ilk of, uh, of Keon Minifield. Not getting him hurts, but there are more players like him out there. But you've got to get somebody. It can't just be Sky Clark and a bunch of dudes. If it winds up, we're, we're risking, running the risk, if we don't get anybody else, of being in the exact same position that we were a year ago. Maybe Trenton Flowers is that good, and he can step up and be a capable two-guard from day one. Maybe Mike James improves the ball handling, and he can be a capable two-guard in his second full season, healthy. But we had all of these maybes a year ago, and our worst fears wound up being realized. And maybe Sky Clark's not as good as L. Ellis. We have no idea. Now, maybe L comes back. That would solve a lot of problems here. But you've got to find a running mate for him. We saw last year how hard this is to do when it's just one guy out there kind of trying to do initiate the offense all by himself. Menafield would have helped. You didn't get him. Go back and get him again. Uh, Texas says, do you have the same issue with Arkansas landing him as you would have with Alabama? Not quite as much, which seems silly to say because Arkansas has not been as successful as Alabama the last couple of years. They've gone further in the tournament, but they haven't had, I mean, they were an eight seed this past year. I guess they went to the same round of the tournament as uh, as Alabama did this year, but they went to an Elite Eight the two consecutive years before. But I, I did give the rant saying, if this is an all-things-equal situation where NIL is not the deciding factor between Minifield going to Alabama and going to Louisville, if it's just Louisville versus Alabama straight up, you should win that battle. We're Louisville basketball, for God's sake. Alabama is Alabama basketball. If this were football, you tip your cap and say, hey, of course you're going to go to Bama. If this is basketball, it's not exactly an apples-to-apples apples conversation, but we still have the upper hand. We should at least. Arkansas, while we've been a more successful program than Arkansas historically, they had their great run in the 90s, they're on a great run right now, I don't think you just discount how well Musselman does in the portal on an annual basis, however he does it. It's an attractive destination. And also, I mean, they've got more which is another thing that sounds weird right now. They've got a better pitch for a, a guy who wants to come in and be a starting guard from day one, who wants to run the show. Arkansas doesn't have that. Like Their guards are leaving. They need a floor general. We've got Sky Clark. Now, if you wanted to pitch him and say, we can play Sky off the ball or you know whatever, that's one thing. But we've got somebody who's occupying that spot for the time being. And that makes it a little bit more of a difficult sale than it does at Arkansas. Having said that, I think you could have gotten it done. They didn't, and now we're back to the drawing board. Kevin Minifield off the board, going to Arkansas. This is not going to 
do anything to alleviate the fears of the people that were texting in earlier uh, that, that I mentioned. This is the question that I've gotten more than any other this week. Is it happening again? Is this Scream 5 uh, where Sydney's getting the calls again, Sydney Prescott's phone's blowing up again, and here they come. It does sort of feel like history is repeating itself, but I'm not going to jump off that ledge just yet because, one, you don't have the NCA stuff. I do think it played a part. I don't think it's a – I've said this a million times – it's not an excuse for the roster being as bad as it was last year. But it played a part in Louisville not being able to get some of the higher-profile transfers that they were going after. Not all of them, but some of them. A lot of it was self-inflicted, but some of it was to do with the NCAA stuff. That's gone. You should be able to get some of these guys now. Two, it's still super early. Still super early. And three, I think Kenny Payne knows more. Oh, surely to God he knows. He knows more now than he did a year ago as far as how much he needs to do in the portal. Maybe he did. I mean, th- there was talk that later in the summer he was thinking, yeah, I think we'll be okay with this roster. He has to know now that he's got to get guys in the portal. He's got four spots available. There's no holding back any scholarships because we might get dinged in the future. You've got three or four scholarships to use. You've got to use them. You've got to get guys. You've got to get guys that can help you. Immediate impact players who have done this for three or four years at the college level has to happen. Or we're kind of back to talking about is 10 wins enough? Is 11 wins enough? And, and nobody wants to do that. Texture says, okay, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. You guys have a lot of thoughts about this. We'll get to them. Just joined the show. Menifield to Arkansas. How bad is this? That's, virtually the, the 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 tone of every text that we've got here. It's not great. It, I'm not, not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's not great that this kid who just put us on his list late last week and who a week and a half ago when we found out he was available, we a lot of people thought that we were the leader for or one of the leaders for, is already committed to Arkansas. But it's, again, it, it's early. A lot of guys are out there. A lot of guys are available. More guys are going to come out uh, in the, the weeks ahead. You've got opportunities to make it happen. It's concerning that he didn't make it happen with a guy that it seems like we were kind of all in on. But can't can't connect on every swing. Got to connect on some, though. Texas says, Keon Minifield just committed to Arkansas. Don't get me wrong. I love hearing about all the shows you've never seen, but I would also love to hear about some guards. Well, <laughs> We're trying. We're, we're trying. Texas Mike, what the hell am I supposed to do if my Colts draft Will Levis? I don't want him both as a Colts fan and as a Cards fan. That'd be tough. I don't want him as a Lions fan. I don't think we're going to take him as a Lions fan. It would be tough as a Colts fan because you've also been sort of enticed with the idea that Lamar Jackson maybe is a viable option. is something that could actually legitimately happen. And who, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't think Will Levis is going to be a great NFL quarterback. I don't know that. Nobody thought Josh Allen was going to be a great NFL quarterback. I didn't think Josh Allen was going to be a great NFL quarterback. People thought he was going to be a downright bad NFL quarterback, and he's been tremendous. So I don't think that Will Levis is Josh Allen, but I could be wrong. Everybody could be wrong. Texas says, um, still need guards. Offseason 2.0, same message. It is. For sure. I think that we're 
I don't want to say okay, but I think we're good enough at the wing. And I think we, if we get Huntley Hatfield back, I think we can be good enough in the front court. Guard is an issue. It was an issue last season. It's an issue now. And the problem that I have with the roster as it stands right now is it's still super young. It's super young. And I'm not going to read the stats off again, but the best teams in college basketball right now are old teams, are guys with juniors and seniors, fifth-year seniors, fourth-year seniors, fourth-year juniors. We don't have that right now. We've got J.J. Trainer, who's who's fine. He's he's good. But you've got to have some guys that have been doing it at a high level. And I think you need the the injection of players who have winning DNA. You just saw it last year. Our, our guys expected to lose every time they went on the floor. They did. Clemson was the one time where it looked like we came out and we believed we were going to win. And it was the, the 2013 festivities, I think, helped that. It gave us a little extra jolt. But besides that, whenever things got dicey last season, we folded. And that's the, the product of a program that doesn't know how to win. You've got to find some guys. And it doesn't have to. I'm not saying we need LJ Cryer from Baylor because he's you know, been a part of one seeds and, and deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Even guys like, I mean, Ace Visitor Roberts is great, but even guys that have been at low programs that have been at the top of their conference standings, that have won 25 games in a season, even if they haven't made the NCAA tournament, those guys have more of a winning culture than we do right now. You've got to add some of those guys that just expect to win every time they step on the floor. Texture says, Menafield to Arkansas, this feels like the second year in a row where we tell guards to go elsewhere and then miss the guy we go all in on. I don't know what the deal is with Davion McKnight. I'm assuming that's what the reference is to. I do know that that happened a couple of times last year where there were some higher profile guys, some relatively high profile guys that we kind of said thanks but no thanks to because we thought we were going to get bigger and better players down the line, and then it didn't happen, and you would have liked to have had those kids that we passed on. I don't know if that's happening right now. Again, I don't have the – I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what the deal is with Davion McKnight. You've got some people out there saying Louisville's not interested. You've got other people out there saying McKnight himself doesn't want to play with Sky Clark or, or doesn't feel like he's got the playing time that he would have somewhere else because Sky Clark's there. I don't know what the story is. If it is happening again, it's it's cause for concern. There's no question about it. It, it is. Texas says Roy Kent is one of the creators of shrinking. He is. He is. And he's – the show has a very Ted Lasso feel to it. The the dialogue, the flow, it's great. It's very similar. Texture says, is the timing for the women's basketball portal the same as the men's? I believe so. If so, have we heard of any transfers into the UofL women's program? Yes, we have. Yesterday, uh, Jada Curry from Cal announced that she was transferring into the women's program. She was the leading scorer at Cal each of the last two seasons. She was the leading scorer in the whole Pac-12 two years ago. She's a big-time shooter. I mean, one of the issues that Louisville had this season on the women's basketball side was we didn't have a ton of outside shooting. HVL is a great mid-range shooter. She's a good outside shooter. She's not a great outside shooter. Makasa um, Robinson, famously not a gigantic offensive weapon. Kristen Carr was a good outside shooter, but she's 5'6". She struggles to get that shot off. We didn't have the type of outside threats, consistent outside threats, to space the floor and let players like Haley and Morgan Jones kind of do their thing. And it hurt us. It hurt us significantly. It's like this is a shooter's game. Look at the look at what happened in the, the national championship game. LSU plays the best shooting team in the country, and they have a absurdly hot shooting night, and they wind up winning by 17 points. You've got to be able to shoot it from the outside. And 
Jada Curry can do that. So getting her is a huge step in the right direction. Now, they still have, we talked about the, the, the work that Kenny Payne has to do in the transfer portal. Jeff Walsh has maybe even a more significant job to do this offseason. We're graduating six seniors. We're bringing in no freshmen. You've got a lot of spots to fill. We don't, I mean, you guys have some questions about Haley Van Lith. I don't have the answers there. I'm assuming until I'm told otherwise that she's good to go here. I know she took UofL out of her Twitter and out of her Instagram. I think it's still on her TikTok, apparently. Somebody found that. It says go cards. Um, so that's good. Again, if we've learned anything in the last 24 hours, it's that overreacting to social media stuff sometimes is the right thing to do. We did the deep dive into the Keon Menafield Arkansas uh, Instagram theory, and it wound up being very true. So we'll see what happens. But um, if you get HBL back, you got Olivia Cochran back, you got Marissa Russell back, you've got some returning players that were at the center of what they did this season going back to the Elite Eight. You now have Jada Curry, who's the fourth best player in the portal, according to ESPN. If you can land a couple of more players like her, you should be right back to being preseason top 15, top 20 good. And then we all know Jeff can can get it rolling when the, the lights are the brightest. So I feel good about things. Texas, I'm starting to get flashbacks to last year. Passing on guys that, you, that would help you to go after the big fish and strike out on both. I think that's this person says directly McKnight. Again, I don't know if that's what's happening. But if it is, it's I understand the flashbacks. All right, we got to take a break. You guys have more thoughts. We'll get to you at 502-414-1450. We'll talk about this Caitlin Clark quote as well. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It continues next here on The Big X. Runaway is the perfect song for uh, Keon Menafield. Running away to Arkansas. My timeline is nothing but Trump and Keon Menafield right now. It's just, and I don't know, I don't know which I'm less. You don't have a Trump update, do you? Well, I mean, I'm not doing that. <laughs> as much as I'd like to talk about positive UVO basketball news instead of continuing negative UVO basketball news, I'm not willing to deviate to Trump talk at least yet. If we lose another player. <laughs> you know, if we then maybe we'll find out what happens. Uh, maybe we'll just start talking about these 34 felonies. Just leading. Which ones do you think might stick? Uh, we're not going to do that though. But uh, 502-414-1450, you're just joining the show. Uh, top Louisville target, Keon Menafield was uh, you know, talked about a lot on the show. Transfer from Washington, point guard transfer from Washington. He is now headed to Arkansas officially, making that uh, official on social media, and people are sad about it. We'll take some more text here, 502-414-1450. Text says, getting real nervous is the that this may be the same story as last offseason and Sky Clark is the BHH of last year. We need to see the staff actually fill out a roster and land some serious players. The BHH comparison, I hadn't really thought about that. It's not without merit at this point where, look, both those guys were five-star players coming out of high school. They both... Uh, we're seen as potential one-and-done guys, uh, guys that were going to make a huge impact in college. Now, Huntley Hatfield reclassified at Tennessee and, and was a young guy, a young freshman. 
who is playing limited minutes behind some really talented front court players. Sky Clark goes to Illinois, does win the starting point guard job right off the bat, and uh, has some up and down performances, and then leaves the team after 13 games. I think with both, you've got you've got cases of very talented player that the fan base has kind of talked itself into because um, there are some red flags. With Huntley Hatfield, it was just that he didn't put up big time numbers at Tennessee. With Clark, it was you know why did he leave the team? Um, turnover prone a little bit, but both certainly have high upsides. And I think look, we talked ourselves into Huntley Hatfield, and he wound up having be real kind of a whatever season sky clark i've kind of talked myself into him i think if louisville and again it's all just conjecture it's all just guessing if louisville has another disastrous season i don't think it's going to fall at the feet of sky clark i don't think he's going to be the reason why i think he's going to be pretty good good enough to make us an ncaa tournament team i'm not not saying that but i think that he has a chance to be to be pretty good, to be an effective floor general. But I do get the comparison with, you know, Clark commits, and we're all like, here we go. Now we got it rolling. We got the NIL stuff happening. And I do think that NIL has helped us with those the three players that we got already. But everyone now is just looking to what's next. And, I again, it's early. We've got time. But I understand the panic. Texture says, I loved the show today and yesterday more than I have in a long while. Please stay on the mic 90, 99% of the time moving forward. Awesome content and feels like an actual sports radio show. I love TK, but my God, get a mute button for that dude. We, we love Trevor Gary like that. <laughs> we, 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 he's, it's fine. He's, he's fine. You know, he is what he is. He's a good man. He's a great man. He, he's a hard worker when he's here. <laughs> well, I'm, I, now you've gone too far. I'm okay. Not, I'm not going to go that far. Great man covers it. We love Trevor. We love hearing from him. Um, yeah, we love, we love Trevor and you don't want, look, you may, you may like 95% Mike Rutherford for two days. You're not going to like it after a couple of weeks. Trust me. It will get very stale very quickly. Guarantee it. And you'll be so glad to have Trevor back. Exactly. I mean, yeah, if, if, if this goes on for like two more days then and Trevor's back on Friday, you're going to be like, thank God. Well, Justin's coming. I got Justin's coming in today at five. I got to train him. So okay. I guess Justin will be in the rest of the week. There you go. Okay, I know he'll be in at least tomorrow. We don't. Okay. I mean, we don't know what Trevor's doing. We, we don't know what he, he's like. I might be back Thursday. I might be back Friday. I might be back next Monday. We don't know. Well, see, I heard he's just glued to the TV set watching this Trump coverage. He's there. <laughs> oh, he's there in I'll New you, York. I'll let you guess which side of that protesting gate he's on. I don't know. We, you know, is is he is he pro Trump? Is he negative? He's there. He's holding up big signs. You'll be able to see him. Okay. You'll have to guess which side he's on. <laughs> Texas says it seems like most of these dudes are initially considering us, but then when they do a little research or talk to our coaches, they then have little interest. How many damn guys that have we looked like the front runner for have gone to other schools and never even really considered us in the end? I mean, I get that, but you also just can't. And I'm not trying to do like the KP Mafia thing. I'm not. I, I'm just trying to call a spade a spade here. Classic Mike Rutherford phrase. You also have to, you can't just gloss over the fact that Evans and Flowers and Clark, who we all landed immediately after a four win season, all pointed to the coaching staff as a primary reason for why they committed. All pointed to their the rapport with Kenny Payne, yeah, their, their desire to, to play for him, the fact that he's a player's coach, the vision that they laid out for him. So that's not nothing. Does it help the fact that we're missing on these players that I think could help us more, at least immediately? 
who have been experienced players in college for at least a couple of seasons? No. It, it, it's a significant, significant issue. I'm not trying to say otherwise. But we have gotten guys who have come out there and said, you know, I'm coming here because of the coaching staff. So it's it's a little bit both ways. Texas, do you think Trump – come on, guys. Trump looks better in orange or black and white stripes. No, we're not, we're not doing that. Not doing it. Texas, Mike, you sound like the KP Mafia. There it is. No freaking way we're good inside and we desperately need guards. I Look, I am trying to be open-minded about year two. If you've listened to the show for any period of time, I think you know where I stand on all of this. I was not the biggest proponent of us hiring Kenny Payne. I did not think we were going to have a good season last year. As it stands right now, I think we'll be better next year. We can't, which is the least bold prediction I've ever made on the show. I think we're going to win more than four games next season. Um, I still don't see it being an NCAA tournament team. And that's my bar for year two under Kenny Payne. And anything less than that is not good enough to me. But I am not, I don't make these decisions. And also it, it wouldn't be fair to talk about all these offseason accolades under the, the, the umbrella of every single time he does something. Well, it doesn't matter because he can't coach. I don't need to reiterate every single time. Yeah, well, we got Trenton Flowers. We got Dennis Evans. Let's see what happens with him, though. I'm not going to get excited about it. We have to talk about this from like at least giving him the benefit of the doubt moving forward because he's going to be the coach next season. It sounds like the coaching staff that he has is going to remain intact. This is what we've got. And if it falls apart, we're going to know when the season starts. But I can't do seven months where every little piece of news and every time we talk about the team, I'm just like, who cares? Doesn't matter. He, he won four games last season. None of this matters. You have to at least talk about it. We have to at least get into it. We have to at least have a little bit of hope that may. we all want this to work. Most of us want this to work. I want this to work. It doesn't matter what I, how, how I think it's going to play out. I want it to work. I'm wrong all the time. I'd love to be wrong again. Texas, I'm not asking for stars. I would be pumped to get a Cunningham or a West just uh, so, just someone that can dribble the ball and not dribble it off their foot or launch it into the third row. I mean, Kristen Cunningham would be a godsend right now. Jared West might be too. I do think that it, like, again, if the bar is NCAA tournament, if we're talking about going from four wins to being like a 20, 22 win team, you may say that we don't need stars from the transfer portal. I think you need one star from the transfer portal. And maybe Clark fits that mold. I know that there are a couple of scouting services that have him as the number one available transfer portal guy. I think you need one more. Again, and like you said, not top five maybe, but like a top 15 guy. A guy who is a, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 point scorer at a program that won a decent amount. A guy who's going to come in and get buckets. I mean, look at, I mean, Tyler Kolick at, at Marquette goes from George Mason where he was a good player. But you didn't know about him nationally. He was a good player at George Mason. And he becomes the biggest player of the year. There are players everywhere. The leading scorer in last night's uh, national title game, the, the second leading scorer in last night's national title game, started his career at East Carolina. There are players everywhere. And if your system works, and if your coaching style works, you can take those players and win. But you got to get them first. Getting Sky Clark was cool. We need more guys. Texas says this is so eerily familiar from last year's portal recruiting. Keep hearing the staff is either confident in certain players and we miss, and their certainty in landing players, putting all those eggs in those baskets and missing is causing us to miss on everyone. We missed on Kirk, Carr, Turner, Malachi Smith, Bates, and now we missed on Menefield. 
Caleb Love, and many others. KP is once again burying himself before the season even starts. To be fair, we didn't miss on base last year. We just didn't want him at the end. Caleb Love, I there was contact there. We clearly reached out to him. I think we figured out pretty early on that we weren't going to be a top-tier contender for him. Now, Minifield, I, I do think we really wanted, and it sucks that he's not coming here. But let's just wait and see. I'm with you in that I'm, I'd am i be lying if I said I wasn't feeling some of the nerves and feeling the history repeating itself bug right now. But who knows? Two weeks from now, we might have lined up two big-time players. All of this changes so quickly. Case in point, Keon Menefield. Five days ago, it's it's us versus Alabama. Five days later, Eric Musselman, I don't know if he takes his shirt off. I don't know if he you know, does a little Musselman thing, gives him whatever pitch he's given him, and he's an Arkansas Razorback. These things can happen quickly. Dennis Evans was, he decommitted from Minnesota, snap of a finger later, everyone's saying he's going to go to Louisville. It can happen quickly. Texas is a podcast listener who listens to the podcast so I can fast forward through Trevor talking. I really look forward to the episodes where he's not in studio. However, when he's not in studio, it means that the podcast comes out later than usual. It's a cruel, cruel cycle, kind of like KP recruiting guards who are locks for Louisville just to go somewhere else. It's a good we got it on last night. It's a good take. podcast. We did. It does. It, it takes a little bit longer, I think, for Trevor to. I have to. I have to uh, send him the right. audio file, and then he puts it on the podcast. And this te- that text isn't helping because now he's just going to do it on purpose if he's listening to this. So that's yeah. You know, What's that giving him a feeling of power? <laughs> if you if you want the faster podcast, then you know, you're just you need to suck up to Trevor a little bit. He can be he can be swayed a little bit. I, I am now just seeing. The is it official? I'm seeing everyone say Caleb loved in Missouri. Uh, I haven't seen that this is okay. This it's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> a program in the SEC might be interested in my tweet at the next at the top of the next hour. I think that's an Arkansas reference. Uh, but Caleb Love is a Missouri lean according to, to Twitter. But there's nothing official yet there. Uh, we'll see. I think it is Missouri. What I'd heard it was in Missouri, Indiana. Uh, with Memphis being kind of the third shot there, but it, it does sound like he's not he's not coming to Louisville. Texture says uh, Haley's U of L stuff is still on Instagram now. Yeah, she's got pictures with the U of L stuff. Yeah, but she's I, I meant her her bio is what was pointed out on the text line yesterday. She took out any mention of like U of L stuff on in her bio on social media besides TikTok apparently. So Texture says all that four losses, four wins last year. And zero coaching staff changes, too. I will be the first to admit I was surprised that we didn't get a, a change. Um, and I guess I shouldn't have been because Kenny Payne got asked the question straight up after the, the BC loss in the ACC tournament. And, you know, he was famously floored by it. Yeah, I, I can't believe you're asking that question. My staff is great. I got one of the best staffs in the country. I thought for most of the season, like, you can't have a year where you win four games and just nothing changes. I mean, we we had a season where we were the first team left out of the tournament. After two really good years by Chris Mack to start his reign, where he was told, you've got to make some changes. This isn't good enough here. And he fired two assistants, one of whom just won a national title last night. I think we can all say right now, Luke Murray, pretty damn good at his job. Uh, he winds up being the big winner. I also do wonder if Luke Murray wanted to drunk dial Chris Mack last night. Just be like, hey, man, remember when you told me that I wasn't good enough to coach at Louisville? 
and now Louisville won four games and we just won the bleeping national championship. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that, you know, Josh Jamison maybe wasn't made some sort of sacrificial lamb. Not saying he deserves to be let go, but when you have a disastrous season at a program like Louisville, typically something has to change. And I think there was a, there was some scuttling behind closed doors. I heard it. I'm sure some people listening heard it that Louisville was was going to try to bring in more of an X's and O's guy. Um, I won't say names, but there was that talk that was out there, and so I just kind of assumed that it was going to happen, and it hasn't. And I mean, you're not going to fire. I mean, I say this knowing full well that it could blow up my face, but you're probably the season's been over for a month. If you don't want Jamison working there, or you don't want Danny Manning working there, or you don't want whoever working there, like you're not going to fire them after four weeks. It would have been done by now. You know, seasons are over. Nobody's playing anymore. You can go after guys. You can bring in assistant coaches. Um, so my assumption is that the staff is going to remain intact. And that, yeah, to me, is, is, is a surprise. Texas says, Kenny Payne is not the guy. We know that. We have known that. Uh, I know that it's hard to resign ourselves to another lost season, but it's even worse to pretend like you think there is a chance he turns it around in your heart of hearts. You know he won't. Talking about recruiting is like going through the motions. Well, then I guess we'll just do nothing for the entire offseason. We'll, we'll just, every show will be a three-hour dedication to the Louisville Bats. You want that to happen? You want me to talk Reds for three hours? We can talk about Netflix again. We'll bring up, yeah, you guys hated when we were talking about Netflix before, <laughs> the, while the Keon Menafield news was breaking. I guess we'll just go back to that. Um, I mean, we have, you have to talk about it. This is it's Louisville basketball. For I mean, look at the it, it still drives the conversation around here. And we've got football, thankfully, to get into spring practice. Uh, Storylines are coming out of that. We have got the spring game coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement once we get into the summer that will continue to build leading up to that Georgia Tech game and everything that's going to happen in Jeff Brom's first year. But for now. The wound is still fresh on the men's basketball side of things. I think we all want to hope that it's going to get better. And you want to know that there's a fighting chance that it can get better. And I think that's where the interest in the transfer portal stuff comes. I mean, look at this. Like today, it is a post-college basketball Tuesday. And we're talking about UConn. And we're talking about how they... And then the second we get the Keon Menafield news, the text line's blown up. Like you guys haven't stopped texting in about this. This is... it, It still drives the bus in the city. And whether it's you, know, you don't think Kenny Payne's the guy or whether or not you think Kenny Payne is the guy or you think Kenny Payne can be the guy with the right tools, everyone has an opinion and everyone wants to get that out. And it's, it's, it's why we still talk about it on the show. You can't just, just poo-poo everything. Texas hey, Mike can finish his thought, give insight, and stay on topic. The show is so much better without phlegm throat Trevor. That's not nice. That's not nice. The next texture says, blast me, Trevor makes the show great. See, everyone's all over the place. Every, everyone, everyone, everyone has their opinion. Texas TK is uh is high getting high in New York and watching people. No, he's not. Texas, I'm not a KP apologist, but good lord, people. Uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I am. Texas says, "Oh, we know which side's Trevor's on." I don't think I know which side Trevor's on. Trevor's Trevor's he's the most unique. You can't you can't put him in any sort of box. You know him better than I do, but I I, I couldn't figure it out either. He, I mean, he'll say. He'll say things that are incredibly liberal in one breath and then things that are just incredibly <laughs> conservative in the next, and you're just never, never really sure. He's well, an see, enigma. He, he wants to keep it right down the middle. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He's 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 different. <laughs> Texas says, Mike, are you pro-KP and pro-Trump? Um, 
I don't know if you listen to the show. You don't get into politics on this show. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know which is more controversial to talk about these days, being pro-Kenny Payne or being pro-Trump. I, I, I don't know. This is a sports station. Lock them both up. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Texas, three questions. One, if Trump goes to prison, does he get a cavity search? Two, does he get Secret Service protection in prison? Three, does the Secret Service get cavity searched? Yes, yes, and yes are the answers to all those questions. I was disappointed to find out that we weren't going to get... I'm sorry if this... May, if you can't be... If you're so sensitive that we can't even talk about this without you getting mad, I'm sorry. But I was disappointed that we were not going to get a mugshot. They, they announced that yesterday. He made a deal. Um, they, they, yeah, they weren't going to put him in handcuffs. They weren't going... He wasn't going to have to spend any time in jail. He's going to do his pleading. He's going to plead not guilty. I think that's already happened. But he wasn't going to get a mugshot. Today. They were able to take still photographs in the courtroom. Oh, they were. And, yes, and uh, I saw I was, him walking to the the van. And and I, I was out the I was out in the lobby earlier, and they had CBS on, and uh, there was a couple of them, and he was he was looking directly at the camera, uh, but he, he didn't look happy. But there were no, I didn't see any well, handcuffs. You know, I thought maybe he'd be like you know holding that thumb up, doing that whole thing. Yeah, that that would be the. The, the Clinton thumb, just you know, just do that. <laughs> His famous move where he's doing like both hands, just like doing that. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I, I was disappointed. I mean, I, the the mugshot would have been legendary. It would have been incredible. It would have been everywhere forever. And I guess that's why they didn't do it. But you go to Spencer Gifts and get a, the poster size mugshot. Are you aware of the fact that I did not know? I I had never heard of Spencer's Gifts before I did this radio show. Are you serious? I swear, uh, this is the the biggest thing that has shocked everybody. Like Trevor has never been more shocked in his life. And then the text line, like, my wife is texting me. She's like, because there's a shirt that was at the, the Louisville football game. And, and I was making it. And it had, I don't remember what, even what it said at this point. But the F word was very clearly on this guy's shirt. Mm-hmm. And he was just trying to put on. And I was like, you know, it was just, it was a little much. Like, I'm like, you know, you don't. Why are you wearing that unless you just want that attention? And then everyone pointed out. They're like, oh, the T-shirt is at Spencer's. And I said, what's Spencer's? And Trevor's head blew up. And he's like, in every mall in the world. And I was like, I wasn't a big mall kid. I've never. And people like I got texts about this for days, Gary. It, it, it's the most controversial and and I, I don't know, like reactionary thing that any that I've ever said on any radio show was I'd never heard of Spencer's. People oh, it's blown away. It's been around for I mean, it was it was around when I was in high school and that was a long time ago. But I, I, is there um, I don't think there's one at Mall St. Matthews anymore. And I don't know if you have one at. Um, there is one at one of the malls, one of the at two. Jefferson Mall, probably. No, it's, it's at either Oxmoor or Mall St. Matthews. Okay, I can't remember which one it is. That's where you get your black light and your black light posters. Well, back in the day. I'm glad you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm glad one of us knows these things. Because I'm glad I'm glad your wife knows about it too. I'm, I, that that me, really like, does surprise me. She's like, "There's no way you haven't heard of Spencer's." I'm like, "I'm not making it up for radio material. I don't know what you think, um, but that's that's me." Texas, I hear you on the bar being the NCAA tournament, but do you think that's the bar for Josh Hurd? I think the NIT might be acceptable at this point based on the lack of urgency that I've seen. I, I totally agree. Like that's, and I feel like I need to make that point. It's different. Like when you're listening to the radio show, people are like, I do love the amount of power that I'm given by some people where they're like, you need to call this out. You need to stop. I don't get to make any of these. What I say does not matter. If I say Kenny Payne needs to make the NCAA tournament in year two, and that's my line, and I'm sticking to it, which is the truth. It matters not one bit when it comes to whether or not Kenny Payne's going to get a third year. And I do believe when it comes to Josh Hurd, and I, don't, I know Josh a little bit, but I, I'm not speaking from any personal information here when it comes to this particular topic. 
my hunch is that if Kenny Payne were to show significant progress in year two, finish around 500, a little bit above 500, and also have a solid recruiting class in 2024 waiting in the wings, I think that gets him a third year from Josh Hurd. Would I give him a third year? Probably not. But with Josh, I think that would instill enough confidence in him. I think it would instill enough confidence in the portion of the fan base that is very much on edge right now to justify giving a, th- a third season. And also that buyout would go back down by $2 more million if you want to fire him after year three. So I think that would happen. What, what's hard for me to reconcile, and I know that we run a significant risk when we compare ourselves to the school down the road, but I do look at what Kentucky did in a similar situation. It was not, not apples to apples, but the program wasn't where people wanted it to be when Tubby left in 2007. And Gillespie comes in, man was SEC coach of the year in his first year. Some of that was his own doing because he, he, he set the bar so low the way they played during the first half of that year. But he was the SEC coach of the year. He went to the NCAA tournament in his first season. He went to the NIT in year two. There would have been a justified case to be made for keeping him for a year three. Kentucky said no. No fans cried about it. Everyone was okay. They hired John Calipari. It was clearly the right thing to do. If we are in a a spot after year two where we've got a losing record and we've won a total of, I don't know, 20 games, 15 games after two seasons and we're still arguing about this, then I, I think it's just, it's not respecting who we are as a program. It's not respecting what the standards should be here. That's But again, that's just me. I'm not Josh Hart. I'll take a break when we come back. Five o'clock hour, you guys have more thoughts. We'll get to Caitlin Clark. We'll have a couple of football topics. Uh, We've got TV ratings news in the Final Four, and then you guys will continue to react to what's happening on the recruiting trail. It's all coming your way next here on 1450 The Big Guys. Perfect start to a 5 o'clock Friday. I love it. Although it's... It's a million degrees in the studio today. Like, I, I know that we have the thing where it's like we haven't turned the AC on yet, and the weather's been flipping back and forth. It's classic late spring in Louisville. But it's not that warm outside. It is 89 degrees in here right now. I'm sweating my ass off. It's it's a little much. I know it gets bad in here, but I got the window open. It's so hot in here, Gary. It's beyond you hot. You want me to move the fan in there? No, no, no. You deserve the fan in there. It's, it's fine. But I'm, I'll be okay. But it's crazy. We did finally. I don't know. I know that Mark Weinberg does the thing, my my weather idol, where he's like, "I'm team holdout. I don't." He won't turn the heat on until it's like negative three degrees in December, and he won't flip it back to the AC until it's ninety eight in July. We 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 flipped the air conditioning on today. I, I can get Justin to come in there with a palm leaf. I'm like, you don't save that much money. Yeah, you you don't save that much money by his. Day. I know it's bad for your HVAC <laughs> system, but 
<laughs> it just seems worth it to me. Speaking Actually, of it, heat is not good on computers. Well, that's that's fine. My computers <laughs> will be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll survive. Just you're having a hot show today. Speaking of HVACs and, and air conditioning systems, uh, if you're having AC problems this spring, this summer, give our friends over at AirServe a call. They have technicians available for you 24-7. If it's 3 a.m., AC goes out, it's 185 degrees outside, and you got pets, you got kids, you can't make it through the night without somebody fixing that air conditioning. Call AirServe at 502 785 8600. They'll come out to your home, your place of business, and fix your problem that night. Uh, call them today, you can get a tune up for just $49. You can also get for a limited time up to 60 months, no interest financing on a qualifying root system. For more, for more information, you can go to airserve.com slash Louisville, A I R E S E R V.com slash Louisville. Or again, call our guys directly at 502-785-8600. It is the 5 o'clock hour here the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. We've been, uh, we had been reacting a lot to Connecticut winning the national title last night. Their bizarre program profile now, where do they fit in historically? Is what they've done the last couple of years inspiring if you're a program that had fallen on similar hard times like Louisville, um, as UConn was before Danny Hurley took over? And then we got thrown a, a curveball. When Keon Menafield, one of our top transfer targets, uh, announced during the show that he was going to go ahead and commit to Arkansas, um, that has been all that anybody really wants to talk about. Understandably so. It, it has stoked a lot of the fears from, from I, I guess, last season, last summer, where it felt like Kenny Payne was, was in on a lot of top transfer prospects, and then we wound up not really getting anybody. So I understand the fear. I'm still preaching a little bit of patience. There are a lot of guys out there. Uh, I think that we can... Still make some moves, but I also get it. I also understand it, and I also feel it a little bit. A couple of quick notes to get to. Uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. Canyon High School quarterback Deuce Adams is going to announce his college decision on Wednesday. Uh, he was offered by Louisville in February. Currently the number 50 quarterback prospect overall in the 2024 class, according to 24-7 Sports, and the number 122 overall prospect in Texas. He's got a couple of other solid offers. Uh, we'll find out where he's going to go. I, I think that what happens with Deuce Adams is interesting because – Jeff Brom is, is locked it up here locally. Louisville now is recruiting better in this area than they ever did when Scott Satterfield was here. He's made it a priority to keep some of the better players in the city and out in the state a little bit to keep them at home playing for the Cardinals. That's something that the fan base wanted Satterfield to do. It's something that they didn't think Petrino did a very good job of uh, later in Bobby 2.0's tenure. And now Jeff is out there. He's going to high schools. He's at least competing for kids that Kentucky has been dominating out in the state. Everyone wants to see that. I think that everybody still wants to see us maintain a national profile, though. We've always, in recent years, we've had the pipeline to Florida. We had the thing 20 years ago where it was like, if you were a, a Florida kid who wasn't good enough to play at FSU, Florida or Miami, Louisville was a solid option for you. We had a lot of success with those kids. In recent years, we've taken that. We've expanded it over to Georgia and Mississippi, and we've gotten some solid players from there. But last year, part of the excitement with what Louisville was doing on the recruiting trail was we were going after kids that were never options for us. We were doing things that always seemed impossible when you talked about Louisville football and recruiting. We were getting the best players out of the state of California. We went to Texas and for a time had the best player from that state. I think that fans are excited about what Brahm is doing here locally, but they want to keep that national profile. They want to at least occasionally go out and get a kid from somewhere off the beaten path, at least as far as our historical recruiting uh, trends would, would, would indicate, off the beaten path. 
Get a kid from Cali. Get a kid from Texas. We have not had a commit. We have not had a signee, I should say, from Texas since 2010. I don't know if you remember Luke Woodley, quarterback. Did not last long here. But he was the last player from Texas to ultimately sign with us out of high school. We've had some transfers from Texas. Devontae Fields uh, was a well-known transfer. But as far as high school kids signing with the program in traditional recruiting classes, Luke Woodley, 13 years ago, was the last. We had a kid, uh, if you remember, Zed, uh, Zed Evans, the year before in 09 from Dallas. He signed with us. We have not had a whole lot of success in the state of Texas. I'd like to get a, to get a quarterback from that state would be a cool step towards maintaining that national profile and continuing to have an imprint, a footprint, in places where we have not typically recruited very well. Let's make it happen. We'll talk more about him tomorrow. Uh, tonight, Louisville baseball back in action. 6 o'clock is the first pitch between the Cards and Lipscomb. It's a Bisons team that knocked us off last year in a midweek game. I heard Dan McDon- I did hear a little bit. We had Sean Moth on the show yesterday talking Cardinal baseball. If you want to listen to that, uh, you can find our podcast. Wherever you can find podcasts, by searching Big X Sports Radio or 1450 Big X. But Sean was on the show yesterday, and he was talking about, you know, they had the Dan McDonald radio show, the Dan McDonald coaches show yesterday right after us. So when I was driving home, flipped it over to 970, turned it on, listened to him, and Dan made it a point to say, we don't typically do the whole, you know, revenge thing. We don't typically talk about what's happened in past years. But I did make it a point to let these guys know or remind them about what happened last year against Lipscomb and how embarrassing it was for us. And you know them celebrating on your home field, the the hit that our national profile took, our our ranking took. Let's make sure that we're up for this one because they've got a lot of big games coming up on the docket. They play Boston College, who's a top ten team this weekend. Uh, a week from tonight, they're going to play the first of two games against Kentucky. They've got Wake Forest the week the weekend after that, who's also a top twenty five team. So you've got this is a huge stretch for the Cardinal baseball team, and this is kind of the one game that you look at and you're like, one of these things is not like the other but they cannot afford to look past Lipscomb and hopefully the fresh memory of them beating us last year will keep that from happening. They also beat us in men's basketball. So if you want you know, justification, revenge for Kenny Payne, you can make that happen as well. Uh, the, the, the Caitlin Clark thing, and, and I, I know the text line's blowing up. You guys still have thoughts, and we're going to get back to you in just a second. But the Caitlin Clark thing, I feel like we have to cycle back to this because we talked a decent amount about it yesterday. Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, there's this, I feel like, fake rivalry that's now happening here. And Clark put it to bed today. She got asked straight up about it. I don't think Angel should be criticized at all. No matter what way it goes, she should never be criticized for what she did. I compete. She competed. It was a super, super fun game. I think that's what's going to bring more people to our game. That should be that, that should be that. That should squash this whole thing, right? Caitlin Clark is the, you know, she did the you can't see me thing to Haley Van Lith. She talked a little smack. Angel Reese threw it back in her face a couple of days later. If it doesn't bother Caitlin Clark, it should not bother any of us. That should be the end of it. I also like, and I'm somebody who yesterday was like, Caitlin Clark kind of annoys me. She did. The way she plays kind of annoyed me. And it was, is that because I'm a Louisville fan who watched her post a 40 point triple double? Maybe. I think that probably doesn't help. But I, I did think she kind of came off as whiny sometimes, and uh, she definitely did talk a little bit of smack. But I liked not just that quote, but I liked the fact that she said she doesn't want to go to the White House with Iowa. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Jill Biden said yesterday she wants Caitlin Clark and Iowa to join LSU at the White House, which I think is is, is ridiculous. You know, champions go to the White House. 
Nobody wants San Diego State to go there. Kalen Clark was incredible, but let's not. That doesn't need to happen. And Angel Reese took issue with it on Twitter. Some LSU players took issue with it on Twitter. And Kalen Clark today came out and said, champions go. I don't think we deserve to go. Maybe we'll try to win it next year, and then we can get to go. I like that. I, I respect that stance. I don't think that we need – I'm not going to do – I'm not going to dive into participation culture, participation trophy culture, or anything like that. But I do think it's like champions of sports go to the White House. We don't need to make an exception for Caitlin Clark, especially when it's not like they lost on a bad call or they lost on a 40-foot heave at the buzzer. They got they got whomped. They got beat by 17. LSU was the best team. They were the better team that game. They won the national championship. They deserve to go. They deserve all the fruits of their labor. Let them go. Iowa, you want to win? You want to go to the White House? Win a national title next year. All right, 502-414-1450. We'll take some thoughts from you guys here because you guys have been blowing us up since the Keon Menafield uh, talk broke, and you've had thoughts on a number of things. Reminder, download uh, that Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app and then get yourself a drink, 32-ounce drink for just $0.89 cents for a limited time. Gigantic drink, great gas prices, great text line. 502-414-1450. Texture says... It's my birthday, and my only wish is for Trevor Kelsey to ride a horse. It's all of our wish, and uh, it's not going to happen today. He's not in town. We can't make it happen for you, but hopefully your birthday wish will be realized at some point in the next month. It's derby season. We've got access to horses here. Maybe we can do the show from out at Churchill Downs one day. I know it's more of a morning thing, but maybe we can make that happen. Look, I, I think that Trevor seeing the video that somebody sent in last week of the horse lying down on its side and the overweight gentleman being able to just kind of throw his leg over there, and the horse basically doing all the heavy work and lifting him. I think that inspired him. I think now he realizes that it's possible. And that was a big step towards this actually happening. So we'll get there. Texas, I'm imagining Trevor right in the middle of the Trump chaos, but with a random WWE-style sign, like Trump eats corn the long way, confusing everyone. That's, I, I can see that. If you're really wondering what Trump, I mean, Trevor, I don't think really cares. Like, Trevor, I... I think he thinks Trump's ridiculous, and I, I think that he doesn't really get into politics. I think he said he's voted one time in his life, and it was not for a presidential election. So I don't think Trevor has significant opinions one way or the other. If Trevor was at one of the Trump rallies, it would be for something like that, to make a joke about, like, he'd have, like, a Roman Reigns rules sign in the middle of it all. It wouldn't be to to support either side. Texas, I could do without all the TK haters texting in, not why I listen to the show, Mike, make them stop. Be nice to Trevor, guys. Be nice to TK. He's not here. He can't defend himself. He's fine. Texas, I think we'll have some solid transfers within a week or two. I hope so. I mean, that's... I'd love to have... And this is part of the uh, of the problem with the whole Kenny Payne moves in silence, the staff moves in silence thing, is we don't have... When something happens, like a guy that you know Louisville has reached out to and a guy that had Louisville in his his cut, his final six schools committing somewhere else. We don't know that there's something to fall back on. If there were rumors out there about, you know, Payne's got a great in with Max Aismas or, or, or Payne's got a great in with, with, I don't know, the, who's, who's the kid from North Texas now with the famous, Tyler Perry, T-Y-L-O-R, not T-Y-L-E-R. Then it would be a little bit easier to stomach this. But because stuff like this tends to come out of, out of kind of nowhere, it's harder to, to maintain hope. It's harder to, to keep it positivity. And I think the other thing about that is, for as much as we talk about Kenny Payne moving in silence, 
everybody knew we were going to get the three guys that we got. The second Dennis Evans decommitted from Minnesota, the word was out there, he's going to go to Louisville. The second Trenton Flowers announced a commitment date, the word was out there that he's going to commit and he's going to reclassify. And, I mean, the instant Sky Clark left Illinois, the talk was out there that he's going to be a Cardinal. So I think that it, it, it causes this doubt in fans, and it, it causes this doubt in me, if I'm being honest. Does Kenny Payne really move in silence, or do we just not hear things when things are going poorly? Because when we've gotten guys, everybody's kind of known it was going to happen before it happened. It, it didn't just get sprung on us. So, I don't know. I think that makes it that makes news like today is a little bit more difficult to stomach. Texas, the kunk on earth story. I still feel, I I still feel weird saying it. The kunk on earth show is really funny. If you laugh at stupid, ridiculous stuff, I loved it. We'll have to check it out. Texas TK is in New York to smuggle Trump as a butt joint. If you don't, if you, if you haven't listened to the show, that makes no sense to you. Uh, Trevor did once go to uh, jail for a brief period uh, and he, it, during his time in jail, someone, uh, a gentleman had smuggled in a joint in his butt and had offered Trevor a puff and he, he declined. Thanks for clearing that up. Just letting you know the story, Gary. I, yeah, I didn't know that story. We had an intern in here. He actually, he's, he became intern Jacob who goes to KRC now. And this is why he was here for two full days. The very first day that he was in here, Trevor told the story about, uh, getting arrested, going to jail and being offered a butt joint. And the kid was like, I'm never coming in here and doing the show ever again. And oh, so he went to the competition so instead. Well, not competition. We're all on the same team. But he went, well, to the, yeah. he went to the morning show. He also was a UK guy who was horrified that we were saying bad things about Devin Booker. Like he uh, just, it, it wasn't going to last. But they love him over at Kentucky Roll Call. But the butt joint was, I think, what pushed him over the edge. He was like, who is this person? <laughs> How is this going to work? Uh, Texas, based solely on Gary's voice, he's either hard, hardcore MAGA or a raging hippie liberal. I can't decide. I don't think he's either. I'm. I, yeah, that's true. I'm not. I don't think you're either. But I do love that everyone's so intrigued now about where you stand on all this. Like, they're, oh. like I've, I've got to know. <laughs> I've got to know how Gary feels. Well, I'll tell you what. I was um, I was too young back during uh, the hippie days. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm right down the middle. You missed out. I'm not going to tell you. He's not going to tell you. It's part of the mystery. You have to keep listening. That's right. Uh, Texas, I wanted Trump's height and weight so bad. Five eight three twenty six was my bet. <laughs> I hadn't, I, I hadn't thought about that. But uh, Texas, Trump is selling a T-shirt on his site with a fake mugshot of him that says "innocent." I, th- th- I don't even know if that's a real text. I'm assuming it is. I can't tell anymore. I'm, I'm guessing that that's a real text. But, it, but it could, uh, it could be. I, I've gotten bad. I feel like I used to know. Before like we officially started living in the matrix and nothing was real, I feel like I was very, very good at identifying hoaxes on the internet. Like that's like that's and I think I can still do it really well with videos. But with stuff like that where it's like, did you hear that Trump like I, I could definitely be real. In this day and age, anything seems possible anymore, and I've lost all ability to, to differentiate between the real and the fake. It might not be authorized by the uh Trump company, but uh, you know, somebody could go out and have like a hundred shirts printed up and- he said it's on his website. Oh, it is. Now, this man also did sell digital tr- uh, trading cards of himself. For, I remember that. For $100 yeah. a piece that were him like as a Viking, and as, which is also something like 10 years ago. Imagine going to, to yourself 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, any point in time before 2016 and saying the president of the United States is going to be selling digital trading cards of himself, the former president, 
where he is like dressed up like a Viking. He's dressed up like a Wild West cowboy. He's like like you would have thought. There's imagine any imagine any president in your lifetime, but imagine Jimmy Carter doing that. No, it, it wasn't going to happen. Imagine Gerald Ford doing that. Like space astronaut Gerald Ford ripping muscles in a car that you can pay a hundred dollars to have. Have you ever seen the uh, Saturday Night Live bit where Ford falls down a bunch? Uh, which one? The one where they always made fun of Gerald Ford for falling. No, no, no. They they do uh, Jimmy Jimmy Carter. I think it was 1977 or 78. He did a national call-in show on Saturday. God bless him. And they made fun of it on Saturday Night Live. And there was some guy that called in, and he was he was really he was high on marijuana, and he he was asking the president what he should do. And of course, Jimmy Jimmy knew you know gave. I mean, it's, it's Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Look it up sometime on okay. YouTube. It's very funny. It sounds like a great com- uh, concept. I, I enjoy it. Uh, apparently, that is real now. Everyone's everyone's sending me links. He's he's selling fake mugshot photos with the word "innocent" across it. <laughs> My dad used to say about Richard Nixon, "Ah, oh, the only thing he's mad about is he got caught." Well, <laughs> I don't think uh, I think Papa Clark was probably right there. Texture says there's a Spencer at the designer mount, uh, at the designer outlet mall in Simpsonville. Good to know. Get your f bomb t shirts and your black lights in Simpsonville. Make it happen. Texas, I wouldn't hate on the NIT in year two. I was a student when Rick Pitino said we'd be honored to accept an NIT bid, and we hosted in Freedom Hall. That was his first year. That, that, that was year one. And then year two, we ended up being a four seed, won the conference tournament. Uh, year three, we got up to number three in the country and then just completely bottomed out at the end of the season. And then year four, we went to a Final Four. I, I, I know that I keep saying NCAA tournament or bust for year two. Man, there is a part of me that with the right combination of factors, I think could be on board for Kenny Payne getting a year three if we make the NIT. If if we look like a competent basketball team, if we look like we have a style and a system that's going to work, and we just, you know, have a couple of, of close losses, but we're competitive, we become a top half team in the ACC, we don't embarrass ourselves in the non conference portion of the season. We win some big games. Um, I would be, I could find myself being okay with that. I could find myself being fine, especially if 2024, the recruiting class is going well. But it's going to take a lot of factors. Texas says, 5 o'clock Friday, I'd love for it to be. Did I say that when I came in? My apologies. I'm, in my mind, it's Friday. I'm sorry, it's only Tuesday. Texas, Mike, are you anti-Jill Biden? I'm not anti-Jill Biden. But I do think this was a... This was a bad Jill Biden take. The inviting Iowa. I'm anti-Jill Biden inviting Iowa to the White House. I'll say that. I, I, that's my boldest political stance of the day. Don't think it should have happened. Champions go to the White House. Runners up don't. Texas, for all the haters, Trevor is a legend. He's also rubbing off on Mike, who described a unit of TV viewing as an a- episode earlier in the day. I did not do that. I did not say episode. I, you, can, you can convince me I said a lot of things, but I'm not saying, I'm not saying episode. That's a... Straight Trevorism. Amazon.com has the Trump T-shirts. Do they? Yep. And the uh, the one I don't see the one with this picture on it, but there's one that says that's the uh, the flag, 1776, free Trump. Free him. There it is. Trump we, raised the bar T-shirt. Boy, this have all kinds of Trump stuff. Well, yeah. It's, it's, we live in the dumbest time imaginable. There's another one that says where he looks kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it says, I'll be back.
I mean, I can't tell if you see, but I, no, the people want to know, are you laughing at it or are you secretly purchasing it, Gary? We don't, we don't know. That's, that's the thing. That's the mystery. Well, it was meant to be funny. Well, Whether be, you're a Trump supporter or not. It could be funny, but you could be purchasing it. We just don't know. We, we don't know what's going on. Texas says, so you're, you're saying you support <laughs> that NC State Senator's bill that eliminates participation trophies. You're way too political, Mike. I did see that. I mean, my God. The participation trophy, out of all the dumb talking points that we've had in the last 10 years, the participation trophy ones might be the, the dumbest, might be the one that bothers me the most. I think it's the silliest, stupidest thing of all time. The, the, the notion that like the kids are the ones who award themselves, the like we don't decide this. Like it, it, Adults were the ones who made the choice to give participation trophies. Like Blame your own generation if you're blaming anybody for it. Like These kids today are too soft. That's your fault then. You're raising the damn kids. Get over it. It's the stupidest thing of all time. And also at a certain age, I don't want I, I to dive down this rabbit hole again, but I'll say this. At a certain age, I think participation trophies are fine. Life is going to beat you down enough when you reach a certain age. Why not enjoy being a six, seven, eight-year-old who gets a trophy just for playing? And to clarify, like my initial reaction when this first, because I think this first became a thing, it was like a Pittsburgh Steelers player, like took his kid's trophy and threw it away. And my initial reaction when I saw that story was like, good. I'm the same way. But everybody's not me. I was the world's most competitive kid growing up. I could not stand to lose. Uh, when I played like YMCA basketball where they didn't keep score and every game was a tie, I made my dad keep score. I'd keep score in my head. Like I wanted to know who was going to win and who was going to lose and I could handle it. Like I, I hated it, but I, like, I, I had to know. But not every kid is that way. Like, like I remember we finished like, like, as a semifinalist in the city flag football tournament. We got some trophy for that. And like I, you know, I think I put it like behind my my first place trophies and stuff, and was just kind of embarrassed by it. But there was a kid who like barely played, was not an athletic kid, was not popular in school. And I remember him talking about it all the time. I remember his mom telling me that like he gets up, and he looks at his trophy every morning, and it, it made him so happy. And she told my dad because my dad was one of the coaches and all this stuff. And like a kid deserves that moment. Like it's it's fine for kids to be happy for a brief period. When they get old enough, they don't need participation trophies. They'll realize that they're not good. That everything's not going to be handed to them. And they'll be able to move on and continue the process of becoming an adult. But they don't need to learn that lesson at five or six. I think that that's just, it's silly. So I get th thank you, Gary. Gary's showing me the free Trump t-shirt from his phone. It's out there. That's, there he is. The fake mug shot. It's wonderful. Texture says, it's called a prison wallet. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that was in reference to. I don't know. Texas, have you talked about Don Staley's post-game comments yet? It appears that nobody has publicly said those things that she alleged and that Staley is just playing the victim card to distract from the upset loss to Iowa. Uh, we didn't really talk about it. I know that she went into she went into detail talking about how, uh, yeah, I don't want to paraphrase here, but it was something along the lines of, you know, they, they called us thugs, they called us you know, this, and they said that, you know, we, we couldn't play the right way and all this stuff, and we you know, weren't... And I'm standing up for everybody who looks like us. And, and I, I thought it was an impassioned speech. But if, if nobody said those things, then, yeah, that's a, it's a little bit disingenuous. But I still think the, the context with that. I mean, just look at like, the Angel Reese situation has, has certainly backed up the notion that there is a little bit of that out there. Texas says, uh, St. Matthew still has Spencer's backed by Auntie, Auntie Anne's and Champ Sports. I just bought a beer bong from there three months ago. I, told, I, I knew it was at one of the ones because we'd been at the, the mall fairly recently 
And I'd seen it. So I I knew that there was one at one of the two major malls. There it is. It was a good place to shop for gag gifts. People love Spencer's. I I found that out firsthand. Uh, Texter says, if you're KP, how are you selling U of L to these transfers after a four win season? Will last year's record scare these transfers away? I mean, maybe. If you're KP, I think you sell it this way. You, you use the the language that a lot of our fans have been using for the last three months, which is, we had some bad eggs here. I walked into a bad situation. We had players left over from a losing culture. We couldn't bring in new, better players because we had this NCAA cloud hanging over our heads, and it just didn't work. But by God, this is Louisville. We've won three national titles. We won the national title 10 years ago. We win at one of the highest levels historically of any program in the country. The fans were still showing up for us last year. Watch watch any game. Listen to the crowd. Um, we play in the ACC. Every single year, you're going to play Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky on national TV. We're going to play in some of the best early season tournaments possible. We've got NIL money. Like That's the way that you sell all this to these players. It should be a – look, if Kansas State is able to go out there and get transfers that can turn them from bottom of the Big 12 – to a three seed that's within a couple of shots of making the final four. If Iowa state can go from two wins to program that goes to the sweet 16, the very next year, Louisville should be able to make the same type of move of jump, but it comes down to having the right coach, having the right system, having the right culture and getting the right players. And we're in step one of that. You got to have the players. And if we get the players, we'll find out if we have the right coach. And I do think that you'll find out this year. Texter says, the SNL episode where Dan Aykroyd is impersonating Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, the guy calls up and he's high on orange sunshine acid and Jimmy tells him to put on some Almond Brothers. Is that what you're talking about? Well, Gary, huge laugh. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's there yeah. it. Is. You nailed it. That's Even though he was high on acid, he told him to put some Almond Brothers on. <laughs> that's the right one. There's this, Mike, now that you say episode, do you think it will you will come to terms with your former UK fandom? Neither of those things are true. I do not say episodes. I've never been a UK fan. Trevor, I don't think Trevor ever qualified himself as a former UK fan. He just went to games with his grandparents because his grandparents had season tickets. So he had experience there. But I don't think that he ever like said, I used to cheer for UK. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Texas says, quote, wouldn't hate NIT. That was KP Mafia right there. And MAGA Mike agreeing that if things were going in the right direction, we've, we've lost Mike, folks. Stop. Just stop. Neither of those things are happening. Um, I the wooden hate NIT was a I read a text is what they said is what the person said I did I, I said I could with the right combination of, of, of extenuating circumstances I could find myself being satisfied with going to the NIT next year but it's going to take a lot my bar is still NCAA tournament but I would be okay with potentially keeping him for a third year. If we went to the NIT, if certain things happen, which is what I laid out, don't don't do that. Don't not on Tuesday. Not on. That's a Friday text. Come on. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll, we'll read a couple more of these texts. We'll get you updated on the TV ratings for the Final Four and what it means and what it doesn't mean. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on fourteen fifty and 96.1, The Big X.
All right, final segment here of the Tuesday edition of the Rutherford Show. 1450-961, the Big X. Reminder, you can find podcasts of every Mike Rutherford Show wherever you can get your podcast. Just search 1450-BIG-X. X. should pop up. You'll also have podcasts of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison and Spears on Sports as well. Uh, 1450, the Big X, continuing to do big things. The TV ratings for the Final Four uh, are out today. Not the national title game, but the Final Four games, the semifinals from Saturday. And I should clarify before we get into this, the ratings are always significantly higher when the games are on CBS than they are on TNT, TBS. Network TV is still king. Uh, you got people out there like the, the Clark family, like Gary said. You know, they're, they're network TV loyalists. They only want to watch what's on the little ticker, uh, and it's fine. So CBS is always going to have the higher-rated games, and this was one of the off years. They do it every other year with a new contract with Turner Sports, I guess whatever it's called now. So, so next year it'll be on TBS again? Next year I think one of the final four games will be on CBS, the other will be on TBS, and the championship game I believe will be on TBS. Okay. I think that's the way it works. That's the I, way I the, could the see how that would be lower rated on TBS because – I mean, you don't any anybody can get CBS, right? That's the it's it's typically how it works. Now, last year, what they had going for them, and I say they, meaning the NCAA and the people who put on the tournament, you had a, a national semifinal featuring Duke and North Carolina, so it didn't really matter where you put it; people were going to watch that. And last year's national semifinal was on TBS. It drew sixteen point two five million viewers. This was the late game last year. This year's late game was Miami UConn. It drew 12.85 million, so down about three and a half million people this year. The interesting thing here on the Final Four numbers is the early game this year, which was Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. And this was the everybody saying low TV ratings, unwatchable product. The games are going to be bad. Another clunk fest in, in in Houston. It wasn't because UConn and Miami were there. It was because Florida Atlantic and San Diego State were there. Well, 12 million people watched that game, which was up from last year's first semifinal between Villanova and Kansas, which drew 11.1 million. So, again, competitive competitive games matter than the, the names of the teams that were played. I mean, Carolina Duke was going to draw a huge rating regardless, but the fact that it was a great game certainly helped. Miami-UConn, UConn was in firm control for pretty much the entirety of that game. People checked out a little bit. They did not check out of FAU-SDSU because it was competitive, and uh, I think that was that was cool. We also found out yesterday... The women's national title game was the most watched game in the history of women's college basketball. Uh, it drew just just massive ratings. You compare what South Carolina, not South Carolina, what what Iowa versus LSU did to I think it was the it was rated higher than the most watched college football game in eight weeks out of last season, which is astounding. It is significant progress for women's college basketball. I think it goes to show just how much people were invested in the names that became fixtures during this run in March. Um, Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, obviously being the two biggest ones, but also you know when you had uh, Aaliyah Boston in the semifinals, you had Virginia Tech, which was a name brand. You had Haley Van Lith in the Elite Eight. The good thing for women's college basketball is all these players, almost all of them, we'll see what Boston chooses to do, are going to be back next season. And I think that that's a it's a great thing for the sport. I think they will continue to to build on what happened this past year, but to get 9.9 million viewers for a national title game is insanity. Most viewed women's uh, game on record up 103% from last year's national title game. And also the most viewed college event period on ESPN plus shout out to the ladies. They had a fantastic March and early April, and hopefully they can continue to build on that moving forward. Uh, we got about, uh, let's see, 18, 19 minutes here. If you want thoughts to get read on the Thornton's text line, now is your time to make those known. Hit us up at 
414-1450. Stop, stop texting about Trump, though. We, we, the jokes are fine, but it's, 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 it's off-putting. It's, it's making Gary uncomfortable. He doesn't know how to feel about all this. So uncomfortable, I won't even be here tomorrow. He's, like, he's taking off tomorrow now. He's done. We do have Scooter Dingus in the house. He's going uh, to be taking over tomorrow. He's learning the ropes over here at the Taylorsville studio. He's used to his comfy, cushy a home at the luxurious Jeffersonville studio. He's going to learn the ropes, the true, the true studio, the true grit and grind studio here off Taylorsville Road. I do like that easy chair they have over in Jeffersonville, though. It, it's nice. It's very nice. But the, the, you know, the, the, the mechanic car smell that you take home with you, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. It smells like brake fluid. It does smell like brake fluid. That's exactly <laughs> what it smells like. Uh, Texture says, any updates on UofL softball? We're never on the ACC network, but on the scroller, it scores showing more wins this year. Uh, they're having a decent year. I know they lost to Kentucky for the second time a couple of days ago, but they are 24-10 and 10 now overall. They've got a good record in conference play, 9-2. Um, and two. So one of the better teams in the ACC so far. And we've all been kind of, I mean, U.S. softball, there was a nice little run there where they were hosting regionals. They were uh, making runs in the NCAA tournament. They've never played, I think, in a super regional. But they had one year where they were the last unbeaten team still standing. They hired Holly April, who'd just been the, the ACC coach of the year. They took her away from Pitt. And we haven't really had quite as much success as you'd like. But uh, they're having a, a good year so far this season. They've beaten, I think, three ranked teams. So there's something to build on there. We're definitely going to have a shot to make the NCAA tournament this season. <laughs> Texture says, a dad shared his story of his child having some type of special need and still being on a team, and the participation trophy was so significant for him, it's so dumb for adults to care about. I agree wholeheartedly, but that will be a controversial stance from some people. Texture says, Trump's, Trump sells mugs, trading cards, make sure checkboxes are defaulted to, make this a recurring weekly donation, but we're supposed to believe that he wasn't going to sell any of those classified documents. There it is. Hot takes. On, on Trump coming in through the uh, the Thornton Stacks line. Texas, I absolutely hated the YMCA no score thing. I played in YMCA leagues that kept score. Then one year I played at a different Y and they didn't. I only played one game there and I found another league. It drove me crazy as a kid. And this is me as a six, seven, eight year old, I guess. I can't remember exactly how old I, I know it was before like I started. I feel like we had organized school leagues starting in like third grade for sure. So I was either like seven or eight. And I, I couldn't handle it. Like the whole, like the, you know, the, the guy who was the, the referee being like, both teams won and then both teams celebrating. I was furious. I, I hated it. I needed to know if I won or lost. I needed to know if I played badly. Did your dad keep score most of the time when he was there? He did. I would ask him because he knew that I would. Yeah, like, I remember you saying yeah, that. Yeah, like I would go to him like after the first quarter. And I'd be like, and he's like, you guys are losing 12 to 4. And I was like, well, my life's over. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, my dad is a, a super competitive guy. Like he, he played college basketball. He was a, a big-time hooper in high school. So I think he, even if I hadn't been that way, I think he probably would have just, he, he would have let me know. Even if I was like, I want to tie, he'd have been like, no, you lost by 12. And like, that would have been my life. But I very much was, was that way when I, from, from birth. I think it's just in my DNA. Like winning and losing mattered a lot to me. And it still does. Um, case in point, me not being happy and crying every day on the radio for four months when Louisville wins four games. It's, <laughs> I, I, I didn't handle it very well. I'm still not handling it very well. Texas says somehow the show has gotten weirder with Trevor not being there. <laughs> it did kind of go off. We had a nice, yeah. we had a nice flow for a while. It, it's kind of gone off the rails a little bit. The last hour it went a little bit off the rails. It, that's, uh, that's, that's what happened. But that's what makes it interesting. That's why you listen. That's why you keep it locked here. Texas says, but how were they going to light the butt joint in prison? I don't, 
Honestly, that's a great question that I never bothered to ask. I, I've been so caught up in the idea that somebody smuggled in a joint through their butt and then asked Trevor if he wanted to smoke it that I never really asked how they got a lighter in there. I, I don't know if this was some sort of prison. Like, this is... These are the questions that I, I should have been asking when we have when Trevor comes back. I may text him tonight now that I'm so intrigued, but I, I don't know. He's probably listening right now. There's no way the guy had a lighter in his butt. That didn't happen. I don't think that. I mean, I shouldn't say no way. I, I, I thought a butt joint was impossible, and clearly it wasn't. I'd never heard of it myself. Texas says butt joint. Uh, when I said prison wallet, the prison wallet is your butt. Oh, there you go. Uh, that makes more sense. That makes sense, yeah. That makes sense. Uh <laughs> Texas, wow, that texter really wanted to say that Staley was pulling the race card. He's telling on himself. Um, we somehow have made this show just weird. We, 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 <laughs> all the things that we typically avoid that I'm nervous about like happening and taking over the show when Trevor's here have happened without Trevor. That's It's impressive, guys. It's impressive. Texas says, yes, Spencer had all the ball gag gifts. Texas, you do say Rother, though, Mike. Haha, Dan Rother, LOL. Also, I'm eating some Whoppers right now. That's a throwback. I've gotten better about that because people used to get mad at me. I would say Rother rather rather, Ra- rather than Rather. Rather, yeah. yeah. Which both pronunciations are technically correct. Yes. But I guess the, the Rother makes it sound more fanciful. And I've tried to, like, because it bothers so many people, I've tried to I, I say Rather. I try to, like, make it a point. And... Um, you, you don't say Washington, do you? No, no, never, never. Uh, that's that's no. That, that so has it never took been speech lessons life. to get me to say that correctly. Did you really? You had that? I think I think my wife did, but she. Grew oh up man, I had a thick accent when I first started on the radio. But I was working at a country station, so I'd never know it now. It it didn't matter back then, but you know, it, they always told me this: said if you ever want to get out of country radio, you gotta get rid of that accent. You have a pristine radio. I, I would listen to you talk about anything. You've got a great radio voice. I never would have guessed that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I'm trying to think of I, 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 how do you say crayon? Crayon. Crayon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I family members. Who say how do crayon. how? What's another pronunciation for crayon? Crown. Yeah. Crown. Uh, the other one that always struck me as super strange when I went to Dayton, and there were a lot of kids from the north, from Chicago specifically, who went to Dayton. They would say Oregon. As Oregon. Oh, is it? Is actually it is Oregon. They say that. I think it's. I think we're right. I think it's Oregon, but they were adamant. Well, you, Oregon. If you leave this area, you have to say Louisville, or they don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever seen a stand-up comic come to Louisville who hasn't opened with that? I've seen probably ten stand-up comics at various shows, and they all, whether it's their opener or them themselves, they always open with the. Well, you know, I got warned. I got to say Louisville. Louis, am I doing it? Like some play. I'm like, okay, I, I've heard this a million times. I get yeah. it. Yeah, we're particular about the way that you say our name. Yeah, it's unique. Yeah, it's good fodder to, to play up to the audience. But you think we haven't heard this before? It's not, <laughs> it's not my first show, Val. Come on. Move on. And then they ask, well, why do people say it that way? Louisville. Like when I lived up in South Bend, I couldn't say y'all, which I grew up saying. I'd say you guys. Accents are weird, man. Accents are weird. Texas, is it true that uh, Trevor has taken a job with Trump's Secret Service team? <laughs> or did, oh, I hope he brings me back a T-shirt. Or did he decide that Trump uh, being arrested, he felt compelled to support him? I thought I saw TK on the news in NYC today with one of the uh, one of us signs. I remember seeing him on that WrestleMania show on TBS. He was on 
he was on AEW, the wrestling. He was sitting yeah. front and center in Lexington. Yeah, he was like on camera the entire time. I know, I saw it. Wearing a card shirt, which was incredible. <laughs> the best thing, so we decided that day, we debated about what he should wear. Because he, he said, like, I think I'm going to be on camera pretty much the entire time. He's like, what should I, should I wear this guy's wrestling shirt? Or should I wear like a Louisville? And I was like, we need to do a big, obnoxious Louisville shirt because you know, it's in Rupp Arena. And the team was, I think at this point we were like 3-25 and 25 or something. And sure enough, like I searched, I Twitter searched like card shirt or whatever. And it's all these people who were like, props to the guy wearing the card shirt. He's on the three and 25 in Lexington. They're like, somebody needs to beat up this guy wearing it. I was like, this is, this is great. This is fantastic. It was wonderful. <laughs> I remember I had to come in early that day and fill in for him. Came That's right. In he left like early, from yeah. four to six. Yeah. He's still, I think the walk from his car to Rupp Arena was his, <laughs> he's still shaking that off. He was still, still talking about that. Texas, it's no shock that the final four rankings, uh, ratings are down. This year, considering it featured Miami and three mid-majors. <laughs> nice. Nice shot at UConn. Um, Texas, what's this about HVL maybe leaving? You have me worried. I mean, it's the text line from yesterday that brought it to my attention. I hadn't seen this at all. She, I've got no idea if it's anything, but she did take out any reference to U L in her bio on, on social media, except for, I think, TikTok. She still has go cards. Who knows? Maybe she's just going dark. Maybe she's just getting off social media. I know she doesn't use it. Uh, extensively, um, I'm hoping it's not that big of a deal. But look, I'm I'm jaded now. I, I'm nervous because every time that we have a big, oh well, this person is doing this on social media, or this person is following people on Instagram, and it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. Like yesterday, me having to 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 pour through Keon Menafield's new Instagram followers, it was a low moment for me personally. It's not something that I, this kid's 19 years old. I'm 38. I don't want to be going through who he's following on Instagram during breaks of my radio show. And yet that's the position that I find myself in. To see that he was following a bunch of Arkansas players and was not following Louisville players, I wanted to believe that it wasn't a big deal. And less than 24 hours later, he committed to Arkansas. So sometimes this stuff, it winds up mattering. Sometimes it's all just nonsense. And here's hoping that's the case here. I I mean, I don't know if Haley can get a better NIL deal than she's got here. She's clearly making um, very solid money here. I don't know if she thinks that with us losing so many players from last season, we might not have a shot at winning a national title and she wants to go somewhere that where you can. I would argue that there's like three or four other programs where you can make that happen. Um, I've, I've got no, I mean, I don't know if she's thinking early exits WNBA. I don't know if this is all just, just overblown and she's definitely coming back and there's no reason to even be talking about it. I'm hoping we find out relatively soon that it's all just, just nothing. Texas, you can absolutely fit a lighter in your butt or so I hear. I, I know you can. I mean, this wasn't like, like Trevor wasn't in a maximum security prison. He wasn't, he wasn't in Alcatraz. Like this wasn't like the world's tightest, like these were like drunk tank people. He was just in there. He was in a holding cell for a short period of time. And this guy came in and he had a butt joint. Like, I don't, this wasn't some gigantic drug operation. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you can fit a lighter in your butt, I would assume. But I don't think this guy had one. Maybe he did. We'll have to text Trevor. We'll have to figure this out. Um, I don't, how, did, how does this happen? Texas, do you have a pet peeve when it comes to grammar? I can't stand it when some people say verbiage. It's verbiage, for God's sake. I feel like I say verbiage. I never knew that. I think I think I say, I think verbiage. I say verbiage. Um, I do have only because it was like hammered into me by my dad when people mess up, lay and lie. Like I I, I lay down. Like I'm like eh, you know you, you. I was laying down. Like no, you're you were lying down. Like that's one that I've tried to get over a little bit, but it does bother me. I mean, my dad was a guy. I'll never forget this. 
when we we played a baseball tournament when I was thirteen, and afterwards I think we we finished like third or fourth or something. I don't know. We we did well, but we didn't win it. And our coach was like going around. He asked every single player like, "How do you think we did?" and all that stuff. And every you know we're thirteen years old. We did good. I think we did good. Everybody said, I think we did good. And I was like the last person to talk and not wanting to be like the the outlier. I was like, yeah, I, th- I think we played pretty good. And my dad is like, it's well. And like, he's like yelling me on the way to the car. And I was like, I, I was like, I, I was like, dad, I was like, everyone else said it. Who cares? He's like, I care. And when I care, you, he's like ripping into me for not using well in public. And I was like, I, I know what I'm supposed to say. I'm just trying. I'm 13. I'm trying to fit in. Well, well he was a writer, though. He was. It was. It was. It was near and dear to his heart. Um, yeah. I mean, my my grandpa on his deathbed. My grandpa was uh, was John Ed Pierce, who was a columnist at the Courier Journal for a long time, won a Pulitzer Prize. Um, w- w- was a big deal when I was growing up. He passed away in '06. I was like in college. And one of his last days. He, he's like he's very faint. He can hardly talk. And this this nurse walks in and she says, "My mom is there." She always tells the story, and she's like. She's like, uh, she's like, I'll be back in there in a second. Um, y- you just lay there, and like, I'll, I'll be back in. And he was like, lie. and she's like, what? And she's like, he's like, lie. And she's like, I'm not lying. I'm gonna come right back. And he's like, no, I'm lying here. He's like correcting her grammar. Like 12 hours before he passed away, he was very true to himself down to the very last day. It's a good story. Another word that is mispronounced a lot is coupon. People say coupon. People do say coupon. That that one. And that's that not that's not correct. It's correct. Because I'm married to a former French teacher, and she grilled that into me. Well, how do you say C O U P? Chicken. Chicken cacciatore. Coop. Oh, chicken coop. If it's a coop, it's not oh, a okay. it's not a coop. It's not a chicken coop. It's a chicken coop. Coop. Coupon. Chicken cordon bleu. Or coup, if you want to bring back the January sixth talk once again. Just <laughs> bring it all back, folks. Texas says, uh, congrats to Luke Murray for accomplishing a feat for Chris Mack that he will never accomplish in his coaching career. I know, yeah. That was you know that he felt good about himself. I think Luke Murray's probably gonna be a head coach pretty soon. I the whole thing about, and I don't know if I've ever shared this on, on air before, but the whole thing about Mack getting rid of, of, of Gaudio and Luke Murray, he thought he was going to have an easy out because there was a like Luke Murray was thought to have the Fairfield job, job locked up. Like he thought Luke was going to be out on his own and this was going to take care of itself. Like I'm not going to have to fire Luke. I might have to get rid of one guy, but Luke's going to be good. And then Luke didn't get the job. And so Mac had already kind of lined up these replacements and ended up having to, to get rid of Luke, which is why it wound up being this big to do. And um, I think that they, they were going to try to keep it under wraps and, and frame it as, Luke was leaving on his own accord because when you get fired, it's a huge hit to your perception in the college basketball world and becomes a lot tougher to get a big time job. And instead it got leaked out before anybody could, could kind of frame the story because Gaudio had gone nuclear and uh, it was, it wound up being the whole thing was just completely mishandled from start to finish. And Luke got, got screwed and it was nice to see him win a national title. And I think that he'll, he'll be a head coach very fairly soon. Texas says, who does Wallace dislike more? Mulkey or Muffet? I think I think Muffet. I think he, he hates Muffet. There's no question about that. Texas, as long as we are in a pronunciation, it is Syracuse, not Syracuse, as Mike says it. I will always say Syracuse. That's one that I'm not giving up. It's Syracuse to me. I'm not saying Syracuse. Syracuse. Texas, speaking of good radio topics, how does your father feel about the singular form of they? Come on. Texas, it took me 15 minutes to remember who won the game last night. Most forgettable championship ever. The game itself sucked. 
There's no no if ands or buts. Not a memorable game. I do think that <clears throat> I hate it because I think I thought it was a good tournament. I think you have memorable moments. You have, I mean, hell, a 16 beat a one. Marquise Noel was tremendous in the tournament. I think you had two or three classic March Madness games. I think Michigan State, Kansas State was tremendous. I thought UCLA Gonzaga was fantastic. You had a very memorable March moment with Lamont Butler hitting a true buzzer beater in the Final Four. And I, I think UConn's run will be remembered to an extent of how dominant they were. But yeah, the title game, I hate that San Diego State wasn't more competitive because I do feel like they're always going to be remembered as the, oh yeah, I kind of forgot that they played in a title game. I feel like their run is not going to be remembered as fondly because of, of the way they played. But again, it's hard to, to gauge these things in the moment. Maybe that winds up being totally incorrect. Texas says, do you say nuclear or nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear is correct. Texas, seeing the college basketball preseason top 25 rankings come out, we're pretty sure we don't want to see those preseason bottom top 25 rankings drop for the media, right? It does. It, I always like, like I, I always click on the early top 25s. And we, do, we used to do this every single year. I would write the early top 25. We'd post it right when the, the final horn sounded. It was a clicks bonanza. It is cheap clicks at their finest in internet sports writing. And I was like, last week, I was like, do you want me to, to prepare one of these for this? And Ricky, who's still working at SB Nation, was like, it's an impossible task. There's no point in doing it. You're just guessing. None of these rosters are shored up. The transfer portal. And I was like, I get it, but other people are still going to do it. And we're like, we'll just, we'll reset after the NBA draft deadline. We'll have a better sense of who the rosters are, and then we'll do a top 25. But people were still doing them everywhere. I still clicked on them. It's case in point why these things get written. I've got no idea if there's any accuracy to them whatsoever. But I was kind of just hoping. I was like, maybe somebody will just throw Louisville in there just to, just to see it. Maybe there's, they're that impressed by Sky Clark. But no, we have not we have not appeared on any early season top 25s uh, just yet. That's that's not happening. Texas says, my one uh, pronunciation pet peeve is larynx and pharynx, pronounced larynx, pharynx, not larynx, pharynx. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, I could not follow that at all. I'm sorry. I love you, though. All right. Uh, let's see. Watch Deadpool 2 Prison. Yeah, okay. We, uh, I, I will. I'll check it out. Thanks for everybody letting me know what a prison wallet is. I appreciate it. Thanks for all the butt joint talk. Thanks for all the Trump talk. We had a good two hours today. We had a great two hours, <laughs> and did. then it went off the rails. Uh, I'll blame Scoots for being in here. I don't, I don't know. Maybe his presence just sent things <laughs> to a bad place. I don't know what happened. Oh, we did. We had a great two-hour show. Only took us three hours to do it. You're damn right. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll do better tomorrow. We won't, but we can say we will. Everyone have a fantastic Tuesday night. We're back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Go Cards. Beat Lipscomb. 6 o'clock over on 970 WGTK. Tricky,